Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. A PW Torch VIP membership doesn't just give you ad-free access to these shows and a ton of other VIP-exclusive podcasts throughout the week, but you also gain access to our unmatched, vast library of wrestling history, our contemporaneous week-to-week coverage through our Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletters dating back to the late 1980s, along with streaming and download access to hundreds of retro radio shows from the 1990s, including some of my interviews with wrestling's top newsmakers in the 90s. And also our podcast library dating back to the year 2003. There's no larger, longer-spanning pro wrestling podcast library than that that comes with a PW Torch VIP membership now approaching 20 years of podcasting. Go VIP and dive into our post-pay-per-view roundtables, our coverage of some of your favorite eras of wrestling, top-name long-form interviews, and special format podcasts that we've done throughout the years pwtorch.com slash govip. We have a streamlined sign-up form, and you can pay with PayPal or directly with your credit card or debit card in one or two minutes. From right now, you can be a VIP member and diving into our library, pwtorch.com slash govip. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Now, PW Torch and Spreaker bring you the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast. It's time for Wade's interview with one of pro wrestling's newsmakers. 
10 years ago this week, ex-WWE creative team member John Piermarini joined me to talk about a variety of topics going on in WWE. We had some impact talk, too. We talked about John Cena's divorce, his reaction to the Cena-Rock dynamic earlier in the year from someone who had worked with wrestlers behind the scenes. What did he pick up on in terms of real tension that might have been going on between those two? Also, his thoughts on the push of Brock Lesnar and other stories and insights from his years working behind the scenes for WWE alongside Vince McMahon. This streamed originally on June 29th, 2012, 10 years ago this week, and it is this weekend's Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast Interview Classic for Sunday, July 3rd, 2022. Welcome to the PW Torch Livecast. I am Wade Keller, editor and publisher of the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter since 1987, and also pwtorch.com since 1999, and the PW Torch apps for iPhone, Android, and the Amazon Kindle Fire, and soon Windows OS also. Uh, welcome to the show. It is Interview Friday, and in about 10-15 minutes, our guest today for the duration of the live cast will be former WWE creative team member and frequent guest of this show in the year 2011, John Piermarini. And uh, he has not been, I don't think he's been on the show at all this year, if so maybe once. I don't think so. I think, the la- I think it was last fall was the last time he was on the show. So a lot has happened since the last time he was on the show. You got to know him well if you were a frequent listener of the show. I did a five-hour torch talk with him in January of 2011, which was, I think, to date the most in-depth, uh, behind-the-scenes insight into what happened in the uh, those. 2009, 2010, the two full years or nearly full years that John was there, uh, he gave tremendous insight into uh, all kinds of behind-the-scenes things that happened and also things that almost happened but didn't happen. And that full audio and transcript, you can either read the entire five-hour interview or listen to it, is available for PW Torch VIP members. You can always sign up for PW Torch VIP and, and uh, gain all the benefits of being a VIP member. And it's really astounding, if I don't say so myself. We spent 25 years almost now building this site, and there is an incredible amount of content. When I say 25 years, there were no websites in 1987, but what I mean by that is the content goes back to uh, the late 80s. Uh, some of the interviews, audio, and uh, some of the text newsletters and the PDFs and the articles, and just a tremendous amount of content that you get right away. Um, when you sign up for VIP, uh, it, it's more than you would be able to get through in a year if you dedicated yourself to do, spending hours a day listening and, and reading, and uh, it's top-shelf stuff. So if you want to go VIP, including instant access to a lot of our Torch Talks in either text or audio, and often both, go to pwtorch.com slash govip. John Firmarini, our guest in just a few minutes, and he'll be taking your calls and email questions. Now is the time to email us a question. And we have several already because I've been advertising this interview on Twitter and Facebook uh, the last few days. You can uh, go to PWTorch or email PWTorchLiveCast at gmail.com. That's PWTorchLiveCast at gmail.com. And uh, ask about anything going on in wrestling today. John and I were emailing each other last night during Impact, so I know we watched a good bit of Impact. And I know from looking at his Twitter account that he watched Raw on Monday. He doesn't watch every show every week, so that's not the context of the interview. But he's seen enough and obviously knows what's going on. We can kind of get his opinion on where things have gone in the year and a half, or a little over a year and a half since he left the company. Um, and uh, also, we'll take your phone calls. Now, I want to go take a few phone calls before he joins the show. 
If you're on hold right now, um, feel free to stay on hold if you want to talk to me about impact last night, current events, uh, what's going, what happened uh, on Raw this week, anything like that, feel free to give me a call, and uh, we can talk before John gets here. Um, and I mentioned uh, Twitter and Facebook. I'll get those plugs out of the way so we have more time as the show progresses to not do plugs. If you want to get us a uh, early word on who our guests are going to be on Fridays or Pat McNeil's guests on Wednesdays, and these days, who Bruce Mitchell's co is going to be on Mondays while Travis Bryant is uh, overseas on an uh, archaeological dig. Pretty cool uh, life experience for the Torch's very own Travis Bryant. Um, so Bruce has been having different co-hosts, and I definitely recommend uh, Brad Stutz on Monday. Um, some really good insight from a local indie promoter who follows everything, uh, watches everything, and uh, has some really, I think, good insight on things, including calling um, some things that happened on Raw. But anyway, so I recommend that. And on Monday, uh, Bruce will have a co-host. So if you want to get a sneak peek on all of that, you can become a uh, follower of us on Twitter. And there are two places to go for that, at PWTorch and also at the Wade Keller. Um, so check out both of those if you're on Twitter. Follow me at the Wade Keller and then follow uh, PWTorch at PWTorch, aptly named. And Facebook, you can become a fan of us on Facebook. Just go to uh, facebook.com slash pro wrestling torch. That's at pro wrestling torch, facebook.com slash pro wrestling torch. We welcome you uh, to do that. Somebody in the chat room. A-S-I-F-B says, I loved John Piermarini's torch talk last year. Um, so, yeah, we're looking forward to John. He'll be on in 10, 15 minutes. Um, okay, so uh, let's uh, dive into the phone line since we've got a chance to go to phone calls right away since I don't have a co-host today. And uh, we'll uh, begin with somebody who called since I said that John would be a little late to the show, and that'll be area code 413. Uh, thanks for rolling 413. Do you want to go back on hold for John, or do you have something you want to talk to me about? Nope, just uh, something I want to talk to you about. Quick. Great. Just state your name and where you're from, and we'll go from there. All right, it's uh, Zim from Springfield, Mass. Zim? I, uh, cool. I, well, a comment and a question. Yeah, you. go ahead. Um, first comment, I just listened to your uh, 20 years ago, um, what was it, Pro Wrestling Focus show with uh, Mick Karch, and I just I was almost laughing at, uh, <laughs> I don't know, just some of the things he had to say in retrospect. He touted Bill Watts as the, you know, the future savior of wrestling. And the whole time you were a little bit more cautious as, you know, a wait-and-see approach. Yeah, it's been, it's been fascinating for VIPers and even me going back and posting them to go back and read some of the stories that, uh, that we wrote in the newsletter 20 years ago on Bill Watts taking over as vice president of WCW and then also the audio shows back when I was hosting a weekly show on weekends on KFAN. Um, in fact, I just, put up a back, I just put up a back issue that features uh, Bruce Mitchell's column um, on – Bill Watts' Ten Commandments from 20 years ago, uh, reacting to Watts kind of declaring a whole new set of rules. So uh, pretty interesting stuff. Go, go ahead, Zim, and then I know John just joined us, so we'll be going to John and introducing him in a second here. All right, well, uh, just want to let you know I'm a big fan of those vintage audios. I love them. Cool. Um, and then just one real quick question, kind of off topic. Do you, uh, I emailed you a couple weeks ago with this question, but do you think there's any chance of you getting Sabu on for a Torch Talk anytime? Um, you know, it's a good question. It's possible. Uh, Sabu and I... We're, we're, we're uh, friends going back to his early indie days. In fact, um, I remember him sending me, uh, both he and Rob Van Dam were pretty uh, good at marketing themselves in the pre-internet days, and they'd send me packages with, uh, with tapes of their work or uh, publicity photos. They'd, he'd publicize his upcoming indie dates and look for publicity, and uh, he ended up doing some local shows here too, and I got to know him and see some matches that he and Sean Waltman had. 
And so we had a good relationship then, but then in ECW, things got a little bit rough, and he's obviously had some issues with drugs. And so, I, you know, you never know. I mean, Matt Hardy was on and, uh, last week, despite the history that Matt and I have, and had a real good cordial interview and have had some exchanges since then. So, you know, you just never know. But Sabu hasn't ever been one to be super enthusiastic about that kind of thing, especially, I think, lately. So it's a possibility. I'd like to do it. And if he's up for it, absolutely. Yeah, I would just love to hear his story. But uh, that's yeah. pretty much all I got. Thanks all right, cool. Appreciate you calling and uh, filling in some time while we waited for John. John Pirmarini, is that you? Or is that Bruce? That's me. All no, right. No, no, no. How you doing? Uh, doing great. Uh, thanks for joining us. No problem being a little bit late. I got some plugs out of the way early. Good. So, uh, first of all, people who are longtime listeners of the show, um, haven't, I don't think you've been on this year, have you? Uh, good question. I feel like I probably have, but maybe not. Maybe once, but it almost feels like if it was, it was early in the year, because I don't think you were part of our WrestleMania series starting in late February through March, where we had different people coming on to talk about WrestleMania. We had a lot of other writers on who predated you on the writing team. But I don't. It's, it's at least January, February, going back to when you were on. So a lot's happened. Time flies, huh? Yeah, but it's great to have you back. You were a frequent guest on the show in 2010, and uh, you were a. I'm sorry, 2011, and you were a creative team member with WWE in the way of mini biography here. Um, throughout just about all of 2009 and 2010, you left in October 2010, and uh, you got to work behind the scenes with Vince McMahon, John Cena, and all kinds of. Uh, other familiar names on and off camera. So if anybody listening has a question for John about his thoughts on things, I warn them, John, that you don't watch every minute of all the shows these days, but I know that you caught some of Raw this week and some of Impact this week. So you're up enough on storylines. People can feel comfortable asking for your opinion on the direction of people's careers since you were last working behind the scenes and uh, any big broad brushstroke angles, but any kind of micro details you might have to pass on. Yeah, I'll do my best to try to, you know, be able to answer the questions as thoroughly as possible. But I, I haven't – I've skimmed through the shows uh, recently. I, I didn't really watch all that frequently for a while. But, uh, I, you know, as much as uh, things change, things stay the same. So I'm sure I'll <laughs> still be able to have my, my finger on the pulse of what's going on. Excellent. Well, what I think is rather than me uh, hog all the questions and steal the thunder of our callers, we've got uh, six, seven people on hold already, and uh, about a half a dozen emails came in already. So – why don't we start going to those, John, and I will uh, chime in if I want to follow up on anything or add some subject matter. Our phone number here is 646-721-9828, 646-721-9828. If you are listening to us on delay, if you're not listening to us live and you want to listen live, you are invited to do so. We are here at 530 Eastern, 230 Pacific Time, Tuesday through Friday, and on Mondays, Bruce Mitchell hosts uh, in the hour before Raw begins. Um, and if you're hearing us on iTunes or on Stitcher on your Android phone or on the PW Torch Livecast app on iPhone or uh, anywhere else, uh, you can listen to us live, but you have to log into blogtalkradio.com slash pro-wrestling-torch. It's blogtalkradio.com slash pro, I'm sorry, slash pro-wrestling-torch. Or you can just go to blogtalkradio.com and click on the most popular shows or the sports category. We're always in the top, uh, you know, three, four, five, six shows in each of those categories on the entire Block Talk Radio Network. So we are not hard to find if you uh, forget more details. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. 
Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. To, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thanks for downloading today's show. Take it to the next level with a VIP membership. Get shows like this. The Wade Keller Pro Sync Podcast, Wade Keller Pro Sync Post Show, and the PW Torch Daily Casts on our PW Torch VIP podcast feed with ads and plugs removed from the shows for a streamlined listening experience. And also hear the VIP exclusive shows that I host with Rich Fan and Todd Martin. Everything with Rich Fan and The Fix with Todd Martin's signature VIP series that you're missing out without a VIP membership. So go VIP here in 2022 and enjoy all the benefits all the bonus content, and the ad-free listening experience. PWTorch.com slash GoVIP. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, all right, John, let's, uh, let's dive into the phone lines to begin with and begin with area code 862. 862, thanks for calling. Please state your name and where you're from. Kylan from North New Jersey. Hey, Kylan, good to hear from you. What have you got for John Firmarini today? Okay, I, I was just wondering, is there any particular piece of talent in developmental that you would have liked to have worked with that you didn't during your run, and also any particular ideas for potential legend angles 
as far as putting one of your talents that you worked with as a manager that you didn't get to use that you would have liked to have seen used. All right. Thanks, uh, Colin. Appreciate it. Colin, a regular caller to the show. Um, yeah, John, uh, we'll start with the second question, the legends angle. We saw Vader come out, saw Roddy Piper, Cindy Lauper, and Wendy Richter come out, and now we've seen Sid come out as kind of the weekly surprise nostalgia act. As a concept, what do you think of that? And is there anybody that uh, jumps out to you who you would have actually kind of liked to work with just based on your history as a fan that would have been fun to work with and bring out as a weekly legend surprise? Yeah, you know, I was actually surprised to see uh, Sid as one of the uh, nostalgia acts that came out. At one point, I can't remember what it was, but I pitched using Sid. Um, oh, you know what it was? It was, it was, in, it was something to do with um, – Swagger, was it Swagger? It's been so long now, I can't remember. But I think it was Swagger winning the U.S. title and essentially coming out and saying, I'll be the greatest U.S. champion. I'm going to beat every living United States champion. And, uh, or maybe it was Miz doing it. I don't remember. The, the story was, you know, and then so I had a list of guys, former U.S. champions, and I remember when Sid's name came up, it was like, eh, not going to go not gonna go there. But I don't know the reasons behind it, but... You know, things change, but um, I can't really think. The one when I got my job there, there was there was really two names in wrestling that I really hoped to work with. That was Bret Hart, which I did, and Hulk Hogan, which I didn't have a chance to obviously because he was in CNA. But um, no, no name really strikes as somebody that I was you know dying to work with or that I'd, I'd like to go back and work with. I think I had some interaction with Piper. Uh, when he was the guest host, I believe, at Madison Square Garden, um, which was cool. But nothing really hit me with those guys. Uh, As far as developmental guys, I mean, that that has changed so much since since I've been there. Um, I can't even even tell you who's down there now. Um, uh, Unfortunately, a lot of the same people who have seemed ready for a while, but, you know, I mean, th- yeah. but there's a lot of new people, too. But, yeah, I think there's a lot of people who are like, when will we see Richie Steamboat? When are we going to see, you know, some of the guys right. from NXT or the second-generation guys who seem like they've been there forever? Um, but, yeah, yeah, fair enough if you're not. I always thought, you know, to go back then, I always, I always was high on trying to bring um, Joe Henning up. And, uh, I mean, I had a handful of pitches for him that I thought would have worked. Um, and then uh, I remember being high on Johnny Curtis. And then he eventually got brought up, but he just kind of dropped the ball with him. Um, other than that, I can't really think of anybody else, um, and I'm not really familiar with any new names that are down there. Yeah, f- fair enough. When you were on the creative team, did you, did you or anybody else on the team, as kind of your job assignment, watch developmental? I probably asked you that last year. but yeah. or, or was that kind of your job to kind of pitch ideas for guys, or did Vince or someone else decide who was coming up and then tell you find something for him? Uh, a little bit of both. I mean, it was a lot of, like, uh, John Laronitis having, you know, okay, this guy's ready, or, or getting reports from um, from Dusty, uh, you know, who's ready to come up, or Kidman, and then it would be, hey, okay, we're going to bring up um, uh, Johnny Curtis. Let's, let's come up with something for him. Okay, so we get to work on it. It was never – we got all the DVDs of all the, um, the FCW shows, televised shows, and uh, we were encouraged to watch them, but it was never, hey, guys, the DVDs are in, watch them. I would say probably 
two two people on the creative team watch those DVDs. One was me because I always liked kind of molding something from nothing and taking a guy and creating a character with him and, and trying to build somebody from the bottom to the top, um, where I think most people were just kind of concerned about, you know, the guys that we already had on the roster. Um, but, you know, I, I always – Maybe it was because they didn't want it in the hands of the creative team at first, but I always kind of found it odd that we weren't sort of diving into that pool more often than we were, and it would just kind of be, all right, um, we're going to bring Alex Riley on the road, and then, all right, he looks ready, we're going to bring him up. But it was never really a lot of – there wasn't a lot of preparation until the end when we were doing, like, working with uh, Alberto Del Rio and and, uh, who was the other guy. Well, we started doing vignettes for guys again. And um, so not, not, it's not really, and again, it could be different now, but it was never really pushed on us to say, here's what we got. Guys start looking, start coming up with stuff. I don't think that they really, I know when I would pitch stuff, you know, it was kind of like, eh, all right, we'll get to that. And it was probably never even looked at at certain points. But um, I don't know. I don't know what it is like now. I'm sure it's probably a little bit more, um uh, looked into only because they have so many formats of, of shows that they have to fill now, and with uh, they re they redid NXT right, but it's still not on TV. Right, yeah, yeah, it's hard to find. Yeah. You gotta search hard to find the new NXT. But we had reviews right. in the Torch newsletter from Pat McNeil and Greg Parks, who found copies online or were able to watch it online. But yeah, it's not meant to be seen by not meant to be seen by us here stateside. <laughs> right, yeah, you know, and I remember when NXT that was sort of a thing, like okay guys are ready to come up for NXT, but again, nothing that was pushed on us. Yeah, yep, fair enough. Good. Now you can subscribe to our VIP podcast lineup within the Apple Podcast app using your Apple account. That's new as of March 2022. Just search PW Torch in your Apple Podcast app and you'll see the PW Torch Daily Cast logo show up. That's our free show that's been around forever. And also the PW Torch VIP Podcast logo. There is a free show every week, so subscribe even if you don't plan to go VIP and get a sample of our VIP tier programming. But if you click subscribe, then you'll become a VIP member instantly with a three-day free trial, after which your Apple account will be charged. So you don't need to take out your credit card, debit card, or go anywhere else. If you listen to our free shows on Apple Podcasts, you are five seconds away from being a VIP member with a three-day free trial. So we invite you to check it out. That includes dozens of VIP shows throughout the week, including VIP versions of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post shows and podcasts and daily casts. All those episodes are presented to VIP members with ads and plugs removed, along with VIP exclusives like our post-pay-per-view roundtables, the Wade Keller Hotline, The Fix with Todd and Wade, everything with Rich and Wade, and many other VIP exclusive shows. Just search PW Torch within the Apple Podcasts app. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. We invite you to email the show with feedback or questions or comments. That email address is wadekellerpodcast at pwtorch.com. That's wadekellerpodcast at pwtorch.com. Also welcome your feedback on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at pwtorch and follow me at the Wade Keller. That's at PW Torch and at the Wade Keller. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams. Thanks for everything, mom and dad. Will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. All right, let's go to our next caller, area code 608. Thanks for holding. Please state your name and where you're from. Hey, guys. It's uh, Matt Fanatic from Wisconsin. Hey, Matt. Good to hear from you. What have you got for John? Yeah, well... Uh, well, John, I was wondering uh, how you're doing now that Kelly Kelly's off TV. Um, I didn't know if you know you're okay with that, or if you got her a job someplace. I know you're her biggest fan. That's that's the question. Well, I think yeah, it's with you a little bit. Okay, um, <laughs> that went over like a uh, lead balloon. <laughs> um, another thing, I'm just stepping back um, and smiling it. <laughs> I'm, letting you, I'm letting yeah, you hang wait, yourself. Wait, Go ahead with your question. Button. Yeah. Okay. Um, a lot of criticism has been given when uh, creative team members come out uh, that have been on the team that their their big thing is they just brag about the uh, segments they produced. Oh, I had this funny thing with the boogeyman, or oh, I I did this funny uh, vignette. Um, what do you think of that? And do you think that uh, creative team members seem not to care that much about uh, that they produce certain brag about producing buy rates because? They don't feel that they had a lot of input in it because their ideas kind of get, uh, you know, cut up by the time it gets to the top, or is it just they're, you know, if you want to say Hollywood writers that only really do care about, you know, that you know, five-minute thing that they produce? I think you see a lot of these guys um, referring to, you know, this was funny when I did that with Boogeyman or, you know, I did this segment or – I think they tend to take pride in those small things because a lot of um, a lot of the direction that we want to go in isn't, isn't necessarily used. So, you know, you kind of fall back on, well, you know, at least I had this. And, uh, I, you know, I think that the creative team gets a lot of blame to Cyrus when in reality, you know, it's hard for somebody to uh, really – point fingers at anyone without knowing the the actual story or the ins and outs of, of, of why things end up the way that they do. There's times when the TV show that was pitched to Vince on Friday is nothing like what you see on Monday. 
And, and, you know, regardless of if, if it's a good show or not, sometimes our hands are completely washed of what you see on TV. Uh, there's times where, you know, we might say, all right, we want to go with Daniel Bryan as the guy or CM Punk as the guy. There were plenty of times that we did that with Punk before he got his opportunity, and it's pushed to the side. And instead we go with, you know, whether it be uh, a, a Shawn Michaels again or Triple H again, and I know people sit there and go, oh, really, Triple H or Shawn or whoever it may be, when that, that didn't even come from us. So, you know, one thing that I learned is just, and, and in being in television for, like, over 10 years now, it's not always... I could put my name on something, but it's not always me to blame for how something turns out. So, I don't know. I, I mean, for me, working in wrestling was always sort of a dream job. So, to if one of my goals was to help take someone who was not a main event guy and make him world champion, and I think that, you know, I helped with, with Alberto Del Rio and with The Miz and Swagger. And, and that's something that if I wanted to brag about something or talk about my time there, that would probably be something that, that I would hang my hat on. I'll be the first to admit my time there, I wasn't a big fan of the product as a whole. And uh, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, let someone say, well, it's my fault that from, you know, 2009, 2010 and, and all the uh, guest hosts sort of era it falls on my lap or, or the lap of the guys that were there at the time because it, 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 there's more to it than that. But hopefully that answered your question. Uh, Matt? Yeah, I mean, and that's not everybody, but I said it seems like, I don't know, I know Bruce always brings that up that they don't they worry more about the segment they produce than the, uh, you know, buy rates and numbers. Um, yeah. And less, there's nothing we can do about that, though, you know? Right. Right, and we can't paint everybody with the same uh, uh, broad brush stroke. Um, what do you think they should do um, if when Wade Barrett comes back? Should he be a main eventer? Were you were you one of the guys who pushed for him to be in the main events? I believe that you were there at that time. When who comes back? I missed that, Matt. Oh, Wade Barrett. Oh, Wade Barrett, yeah. Okay. Yeah, John, uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think he deserves to be there. I mean, I don't know why they took him out of that slot. I think he was, he was put in a position where um, – he was put in the main event strictly based on the storyline that he was given with Nexus. And, and it was pretty much this guy's going to sink or swim. Let's see what he does. And I, I, I don't think anyone was disappointed with him. I think he blew everybody away that, that were judging him or, or looking at him to see what he would do. And uh, I don't know if it was just, all right, he had his time. Now he's got to pay his dues and, and, and we'll get him back up there if he works his way back up. But I don't know why they ever took him out of that role. I thought he was great in that role. I thought he was legitimate. I thought that he played a great main event heel to whoever the champion was. I mean, there was only so many times you could have him face Orton and Cena, which was at the time that I was there. But, um, yeah, I, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't. Um, I would probably go about bringing him back up maybe a little bit slower this time and, and kind of build him towards that again. Um you know, maybe money in the bank. I don't know what, what plans they have or what guys are in that match, but I think that'd be a good opportunity. I think I even, Wade, I don't know if we talked last time when money in the bank was coming around, but I think I might have even said he was he should have been the guy that they gave the briefcase to. Yeah, yeah. Well, and they're going with, I mean, the, 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 the group of people who they've got going on the SmackDown side, uh, spoiler alert for anyone listening to us before SmackDown, but it's, it's a pretty, pretty weak lineup uh, that needs some uh, extra 
star power, I think, because it's Damian Sandow, Christian, Santino, Tenzai, and Tyson Kidd. They qualified this Friday. I, I'm not sure if that's a complete list or there's one or two open slots. On the Raw side, I mean, it's all former champions and, you know, relatively big names with Kane, uh, John Cena, Chris Jericho, and Big Show announced for Money in the Bank. Now, what, what's your, what was your reaction or is your reaction to John Cena being added to the Money in the Bank concept and really putting Kane and Big Show and Jericho in it, too? It, it seems like kind of a change of approach for that match where, you know, the Money in the Bank could kind of replace King of the Ring as the chance for the mid-carder to make a statement and say, I'm for real, I'm ready, I, I've earned a chance to step up. And now, at, le- at least with the Raw concept, they're taking it and saying, we're, we're giving former champions a second chance here or a 15th chance. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it probably came down to, and I'm guessing here, Vince McMahon in a meeting going, God, we've got to make this match as big as possible. And that's what they came up with was to put the biggest names possible in that match. I mean, I, the thing about Money in the Bank, though, is that I think that takes away from it. I think it sounds cool you know, in theory, but I think it takes away from the match because you, you kind of watch that as sort of, you know, being there when, for example, like when I was there with when The Miz won it, and you knew what potentially could happen with that, and you're almost watching this guy go from mid-card to being groomed as the next guy. And, it's, and I think guys like, fans like attaching themselves to somebody and sort of joining that journey with them. And I was always like that as a fan, and yep. I almost lost interest in guys when they would win the world title. You know, when it was Jericho, I was a huge fan of Jericho. And then he wins the world title. I was like, great, okay, I want to follow somebody else. I want to rise up the rankings of someone else. And I think when you have – I mean, if Jericho won it, I think that works. But any of those other guys winning it, I mean, it's just – to me, it's just like, yeah, all right, it's like Yankees winning the World Series again. Sure, I'll watch the World Series, but all right, cool, Yankees won it. Yeah, it, it did. It's, I, I agree with everything you said. I think it strikes me as John Cena – needs to be in the main event, and the Money in the Bank concept, we, they kind of run out of healthy second-tier guys that they want to give the briefcase to. So, you know, you can give it to Cena, and he can hold it till early next year and cash it in to get a WrestleMania shot, or uh, a title shot, or he can cash it in right away. You've got some options there. He doesn't have to do it as a surprise from behind, you know, where he sneaks in like a heel would. He could announce it ahead of time like Daniel Bryan vowed to do originally earlier this year. Or Kane can win and cash it right in against uh, uh, Punk or, or Daniel Bryan uh, at SummerSlam. You know, they could just go, you know, use that as an excuse for Kane to get another shot, or he could win the title in a fluke or whatever. And Jericho could be one last hurrah for him. Um, so I, I, think there's, I think there's scenarios that the average viewer who, quote, hasn't got everything figured out, doesn't know every booking pattern, they can look at all four guys and make a case for any of them winning. But it does take away some of the fun, but at least with a SmackDown match, you know, not, I don't think necessarily Tyson Kidd, who's been a jobber lately, qualifying does a lot to elevate the match, but at least it still gives off that feeling of it could create an opportunity for someone who would not have gotten it otherwise. So at least conceptually, you get two different, very different types of Money in the Bank matches on one show. And in a way, I guess that's Vince trying to elevate one of them and make sure Cena's still in the main event and the title of the pay-per-view is the main event and have a fresh way to present Cena versus Big Show again. So, yeah, and, a, yeah, and a way to use Jericho without having a full-fledged feud since he was, you know, off for the last six weeks. You definitely could be right. It's, it's probably one of, of a mixture of all that. Yeah, yep. You can support us on Patreon and get these shows with ads and plugs removed. The Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast, Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows, and the PW Torch Daily Cast throughout the week with ads and plugs removed, plus a few bonus VIP shows throughout the month. 
for just $4.99 a month. Check it out, patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. That's patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. And you can also upgrade to other tiers and receive even more benefits through Patreon. In 2012, NXT transitioned into the developmental system and ultimately the brand you see today. On the Torch VIP podcast, NXT Eight Years Back, we'll be taking a weekly look at this page in NXT's early history. Join Kelly Wells and me, Tom Stout, from PWT Talks NXT every Saturday as we go eight years back to the day to track NXT's rising talents and why they did or didn't work out, exclusively for PW Torch VIP members. Let's uh, let's go to another call right away here, and uh, let's see who's next in line. Looks like 708. 708, please state your name and where you're from. 708. All right, I will hang up on 708. Call back if uh, you just put yourself on hold for a moment for some reason. Uh, up next is 601. Thanks for holding. Please state your name and where you're from. Uh, Sergeant Kevin Robinson, Jackson, Mississippi. How y'all doing? Uh, doing good, Sarge. What have you got for John Pimarini today? Uh, Miss Perrin, uh, how you doing? Uh, I want to ask you your current view of like uh, the booking of CM Punk. Now, how do you feel the current state with him being booked as a world champion? He's not being treated like a world champion, more like a U.S. title holder. And Mr. Supercena is always in the main light. Now, of course, WrestleMania was understandable. And uh, the match he had with Brock Lesnar, but now, you know, it's getting kind of strange that he's always in the main light. I understand he sells all the merchandise, but I just want to know how you feel about, you know, uh, CM Punk not being where he should be right now. That's a good topic. That's all I have for today. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, Kevin. Um, That's a good question because this is a really long stretch where the WWE Championship, John, is not in the final match on the show. John Cena finds a way, and granted, Rock and Lesnar kind of made, you know, made sense with those guys. Um, You know, you have a cage match, kind of hard to not headline with a cage match, I guess. But it is a long stretch of time. So I, speak to your, experience, your thoughts on, the, on what's happened this year, but also your experience behind the scenes in terms of how Vince looked at the WWE Championship compared to, quote, un, uh, his top act, who doesn't have a title. I think in a sense um, the title is forgotten about, but it, it's, it's not so much that, you know, if you say, well, let's just throw it on. Uh, name a mid-card guy, no, that's not going to happen. But um, it's never, from the time that I was there, I don't want to say it's never, it it wasn't necessarily a prominent um, tool, I guess. Um, It was more so, all right, we have Cena, we have Sean, we have Triple H. um, Those are going to be our draws. Um, If we put the title on them, so be it. But it would be... That's, that's the main attraction, and then the title comes second to that. Um, and, and this is pure speculation here, but um, from my experience, it would be if there was somebody holding the title that didn't seem um, that they were, in, any, in somebody's eyes, uh, worthy of the main event spot, then they wouldn't get the spot. And as you can see with, with Punk, I mean, he's sometimes opening the show. I, I just... I, and I remember we would talk, too, and I remember when they first did, uh, in about a year, they did a title match on Monday Night Raw, and I remember me telling you, you know, that was something we didn't even pitch that. I mean, those were saved yeah. pay-per-views. And I think even then, I don't even think it was the main event of the show. I could be wrong, but I know that since then he's defended his title and it hasn't been the main event of the show. So 
I, I think they're doing themselves injustice because it, it, all they're doing is, is, is bringing down the value of that title than yeah. they are, you know, bringing up John Cena to be in the main event. Do, do you think it would damage Cena to be in the second from the top match against Lesnar and then they headline with a CM Punk title defense? Or, because uh, like, to me, I don't think John Cena, I, I understand the rationale. I don't think they're crazy doing it the way they're doing it, but I think the price they pay, like you just said, John, of diminishing a title that never, get, never gets injured, never retires, never holds out for more money, you can always shine it up. And it can, if you keep it strong and make it, you know, like money in the bank, you win it, it's the key to cash in and get a title shot anytime. It has meaning. Wouldn't it be, especially with SmackDown, so far below Raw now in any way? I mean, it's not even, you know, there aren't SmackDown fans anymore because SmackDown's on Raw most of the time, the top guys. If the WWE title was the key, the key to be the last match on pay-per-view, that in and of itself, it would be like, it's like winning the Royal Rumble, you know, gets you a title shot at WrestleMania. You get to be the main event at WrestleMania, so to speak, one of the top matches. I think it would add value and drawing power to the WWE title if it just by definition always was the last match. Plus, I think it's a booking challenge. Then you've got to give the title to somebody who you believe can carry the ball and send people home happy or satisfied. Well, I mean, uh, growing up, that's all it was about, was everybody wanted that, that title and everyone yep. did everything that they could to get it, and, and that title was everything. And, uh, you know, I was stumped by it. I never really could figure out why. And you make a great point. I mean, that is, that, that's like, you know, that's having The Undertaker and saying, this guy will never get old, and yeah. we'll have him forever, and we can utilize him. And, and I think that they would protect him if they knew that that was possible. And, well, I mean, they do, but, yeah, um, yeah I, I, I don't know. Because I, I don't think, I, John, I understand Cena Rock supersedes. And you can make a case for Cena-Lesnar. I mean, those are special circumstances. And then you make the case, well, Cena, big show, it was a cage match, you know, and, it was, and, and Vince McMahon was at ringside. You know, anything Vince is involved in is going to be the main event. I kind of understand this maybe if you're ever going to have an exception to the rule, even though I would say still main event with it. Because I think if you have Vince McMahon at ringside with John Laurinaitis and a cage and John Cena and big show in this hot storyline, and that is – and you put the WWE title match after that, to me that doesn't push down Vince or Cena. It actually elevates the title. Like, whoever bought the show, if they bought it for the cage match, if they bought it for Vince and Cena and Lauren Ideson's show, they still got that. But in the process of watching that, now you've told them, as big of a deal as that is, this title match with CM Punk defending is even bigger because of the title. I just think that's something that just has, resonates for – with that, that resonates in an intangible way for years to come with that viewer. Yeah, you know, to go back on something, too, I think you asked, do they think that it diminishes the value of John Cena to be in the right, crossover yeah. segment? Or, and and I, no, I, I don't think that they think that, but I think that they also feel like viewers tune in to see John Cena. So if they're going to put John Cena at the top of the show maybe to get the viewers in, they want to make sure that they are teasing you to stay with it for two hours or an hour and 45 minutes because you're going to see John Cena again at the end of the show. And I think that they feel if, if they put John Cena on at the crossover segment, which is going from the first hour to the second hour, uh, people will tune away after that's over. But as much as maybe that might be true, uh, that's because they haven't done enough to get people invested in, to your point, the WWE title or the CM Punks of the world or the Daniel Bryan. Right, and, and I would say, too, I'm more concerned about pay-per-view 
than TV because for TV, I'm kind of with you or, or you know, I, I, I don't know that you should even be putting WWE title matches on television or even the champion in a non-title match without making a very big deal out of it. But I think people look at TV as being structured a little bit differently in that it isn't sequential. You don't always start with the lowest talent and work your way up. Like I think people expect a UFC show or a boxing event or simulations of those in pro wrestling. So I think you can have maybe a little more flexibility on TV, but I think there should still be some rules. But pay-per-view, I think people look at that as that's the ultimate moment every month. That defines where everybody is in the roster, and that is the definition of what's important. And I, I think you, you have, they have the ability to turn that title into more without spending any more money simply by where they put it on the card. Yeah, and I remember, too, when we would be writing the, uh, the scripts for the, um, the pay-per-view and we would be doing match placement, uh, there, was, there was a big emphasis on it wasn't like how it used to be where, you know, you just have the, the two lowest guys on the card come out and, and wrestle first. I mean, there was, let's get this thing kicked off hot. All right, yep. well, let's start with a world heavyweight title, uh, Hell in a Cell. You know, so yep. <laughs> yep. I, don't think it, I don't think it's looked at that same way where it's, all right, it's, um, you know, Evan Bourne versus um, Tyson Kidd to kick off the show. I, it's not, it's not right. looked in that regard anymore. So I think and, people perceive and, it to be, but it's not. Yeah, and, and, and I, that's actually a good point to make, and I don't really have an, a big issue with that. I agree kicking off the show. I don't know that the world title should become the opening match title, which is sort of what it feels like now, you know, last couple of WrestleManias. Right. And, I mean, I think that's, that diminishes that belt. But if you always started, if they had a good tag team division or the Intercontinental title or U.S. title had a champion in a feud that was hot, I'm all for opening with a title match, a secondary title match. Um, I think that's absolutely fine. I don't like calling something a world title and putting it on first. There's just something about that. You know, it's like not opening the door for an old lady. You just don't do it. <laughs> you know, you just, you're, you do it. You know, you don't put a world title match in the opener, and if you, and you open doors for old ladies, it's just, there's just something fundamentally wrong with, with that approach. So, um, no, I agree with you. I, I, listen, I agree. First of all, I don't think that, it, it, it doesn't make any sense to call two titles the world title anyways. You don't have two world champions on the same show. I, I don't understand how that works out, but I get your point. Yeah, you, 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 Perception is reality. If you put that thing at the yep. beginning of the show, what does that title even really mean? I mean, I remember at one time when I was there, we'd have the, um, I think it was even with Swagger as champion, but when we would have the three-hour shows or the dual-branded shows, I mean, we'd have the, the, the world heavyweight champion go out there and lose to, like, the number one contender to the WWE championship. So, you know, wh- where does that title even lie? You know, and I understood having the two, quote, world championships, when SmackDown and Raw were, co- were, were considered equals. And, you know, UPN, you know, was promised a show equal to Raw. You know, we, that, that was a broadcast station, and, and Vince McMahon pitched to that network. We're, we're not going to play favorites, and we're going to have Undertaker and Brock Lesnar and John Cena over on this show, and on this other one we're going to have, you know, these top acts of the time. And I get that. Plus, when you're running two house shows per night on weekends, you got a headline with, you don't have to, but, you know, the idea is, well, SmackDown has to have a big title that's defended that people care about. But now it's so far past making any sense because now they're opening pay-per-views with a champion defending a title that, if you watch the shows otherwise, is an opening match title on pay-per-view. And granted, I'm with you, John. I don't think the opening match does have quite the stigma that it maybe once did, and I think WWE has broken that stigma, but I still think it should be a U.S. IC or tag title match, not a world title match in the opener, and it's hard to then put it in the opening spot and then expect people to think 
it's worth paying 70 bucks for a house show ticket to see a main event with a belt that normally is defended in the opener. No, that, that, uh, listen, I agree, you know, but sometimes, yeah. and again, that's, that's where it's like to the point of the other caller where maybe that would help, whether it's buy rates or attendance at, at SmackDown live events or whatever the case may be, those where it gets out of our hands where we could sit here and go, what, this, every main event or every pay-per-view you have now is, has a, a, a triple main event, really, because if you don't put yeah. Cena in the WWE title, then you have the WWE title, you have Cena's match, and you have the World Heavyweight title. But when someone sits there and goes, hey, I think we could kick off the show, it'd be hot if you do you know, the, the U.S. title match, and someone else wants to have it be the, the World Heavyweight title match, okay, well, it's your show. We'll give you what you want, you know. Yep, yep. All right, let's go to another call. By the way, if you want to join us here on the phone or on the uh, PW Torch Livecast, our phone number is 646-721-9828, 646-721-9828. If you're just joining us, my guest today is John Piermarini, former WWE creative team member in all of 2009 and almost all of 2010. He is providing his insight from behind the scenes during the two-year run in WWE and commenting on what has happened in the year and a half or so since he left. He was a frequent guest of the show in 2011, and he is on maybe for the first time this year, certainly at most the second time this year. So we've got a lot to catch up on. One way that you can help us sustain our schedule of putting out podcasts throughout the week is by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Just go to Apple Podcasts and look for our Wade Keller Processing Podcast and Wade Keller Processing Post Show and give us a five-star rating. We hope you think we've earned that score with our fast turnaround times and our quantity and quality of wrestling analysis throughout the week. So take a moment out for us and do us a favor and give us a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts. That helps us on search returns and helps us grow. And if you want, you can add a few comments about what you like about the programs in the comments section. Thank you so much. Let's now go to our next caller, area code 559. Thanks for calling. Please state your name and where you're from. Hey, Wade. This is Steve from California. Hey, Steve. Good to hear from you. What have you got for John? Hey, uh, well, just quick. Uh, do you think WWE is possibly using this, uh, the Legends bringing back weekly as feelers for the Hall of Fame? Like, you know, Vader got a good reaction, so they might put him in, but Steve got a dull reaction, so he kind of lost any chance he ever had. <laughs> possibly, but I, I, I doubt it. I don't think I don't think that that Sid was really a topic of Hall of Fame conversation. To be honest with you, I think most of that was just uh, even um, if he got a big pop, John. I don't know that he'd make Hall of Fame unless they're in six years just desperate because they blew through everybody else. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I don't I don't think so. I think that's just sort of a little like you know. Uh, I don't know the word for it, but something to just kind of, you know, kick off this whole or count down this whole Raw 1000 thing, and they just wanted to go back and get a guy who was, you know, whether it's a former world champion or whether it's just uh, someone who made a mark during that time and and, and putting him on the show for nostalgia reasons. It probably doesn't hurt, though, Vader's chances, not of being a headliner, but a second or third, you know, Ron Simmons-level entry, that he got a nice pop and fans remembered him. And if he makes a good impression backstage and, you know, it brings back some memories of some guys who worked with him and respected his work, especially before the WWF days where, you know, he started, the wear and tear on his body started to show. Uh, but he still does some good work there. You know, there, I can't hurt to get that kind of pop. No, I mean, I, I think Vader should go in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I don't know what the specific criteria is because I don't <laughs> think there is one. That is, a, that is in a vault buried deep underground and, I don't yeah. think anyone has a combination to it. 
Nobody does. But I can tell you that uh, I think he deserves to be in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, Steve, anything else? No, that was it. I was just uh, curious as to that. All right, cool. Thanks a lot. Let's uh, go to our next call, and then I do want to go to some emails. So uh, we'll take one more call before emails. If you do want to get in line on the phone banks, 646-721-9828. And by the way, feel free to call about Impact last night. Uh, I know John saw some of it, and I saw all of it. And uh, we don't often take Impact calls on Friday because we always have guests. Uh, although, by the way, we may have a TNA guest next week. We're trying to work with TNA about lining that up. So um, I've got my request list in mind for who I think would be a good interview for next Friday. So stay tuned for that. Not sure who uh, Pat McNeil has on next Wednesday, but he had Kyle O'Reilly from a Ring of Honor and Evolve on, on Wednesday show. So check that out. Uh, that is available right now on the PW Torch Livecast app on iPhone. It's free. Just do a search for PW Torch. You can also uh, follow the show if you have an Android phone on the Stitcher app. It's free. Just, do, just download the Stitcher app and then uh, do a search for PW Torch. And, uh, of course, you can also find us here at Blog Talk Radio. Let's now go to area code 708 once again. Uh, please state your name and where you're from. Boris from Chicago. Hey, Boris. What have we got for John today? Uh, do you think it's possible for someone like a new, a new guy like Damien Sandow to win the money in the bank? Have you seen much of Damien? He's been on SmackDown, John. Yeah, I've seen, uh, I've seen a little bit of them. Um, yeah, it, it, it's definitely possible. Look, with money in the bank, and we talked about this, Wade, it's just who's, who's, who's back and who to, to win the thing, you know? And yeah. it, it, Money in the bank is a pitch to Vince. You know, Vince may, may have his guy, but he'll listen to, uh, to what we have to say as far as who we want. You know, there's, uh, I butted heads on, on when I was there, and I really wanted Miz to get it, and people didn't, and then you just sort of – you you go to court almost, kind of plead your case, and you say, "Here's why I think this guy should get it," and Vince makes the decision. If he's high on, yeah, and here's the thing: he likes Miz. So you know, if he's high on Sandow, and someone wants to pitch Sandow to win it, if Vince believes that within a year he could hold that title, absolutely, there's a chance. Uh, from the names that you told me that were in it, I mean, I don't I don't know who would win the thing. Maybe Christian. Yeah, I mean, but. I mean, Christian, who did he lose to on uh, – was it Del Rio he lost to last week on SmackDown? He, he, you know, he's getting kind of a push, and they're using him to elevate Cody, but I, I just don't know that – I think Vince kind of sees Christian in a coasting, veteran, good hand upper, you know, upper card guy, but I don't know if he would hand him a money in the bank when that's a tool that can be used to elevate somebody else who either has never been there or he wants to give some extra juice. My, my pick would be someone who's not announced for the match yet because I just look at that list and nothing pops out at me as a great option. I'm a fan of Damian Sando. I like that he's so different, but it, it seems a little bit early, but I don't know. I mean, I I'm curious. That, I want to see what they have in mind. Yeah, I would agree that whoever's going to win it is probably not in that match yet, if, if that's the final group of guys. I mean, I even remember being on your show and saying that there's no way Christian's winning that world title because just like how you said, he wasn't seen as, yeah. as someone to – to put the title on, but they did, and he had a, I think, a lengthy run with it. Um, I just can't see, and again, I already forgot the names that are in it. I would have probably just off the top of my head said Cody Rhodes. Right, yep, and I don't I don't I think don't he, uh, I mean, we'll watch the show tonight and see the context of, uh, of the hype, or of the announcement, because I, 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 I glance over spoilers for big, big news, but I really try not to just 
you know, read it too much so that I can watch the show as most viewers do and experience it. But Santino is not going to win. Uh, Tenzai is not going to win. Uh, Tyson Kidd is not going to win because they've been jobbing him out. So it's Damian Sandow or Christian or somebody unannounced. But, yeah, I don't, I don't really agree with Christian or Sandow, but my pick of those would be Sandow. Yeah, I mean, I would uh, probably also uh, – well, I mean, if I had – with those names, honestly, you know, if it's not Christian, I, I would say it's probably going to be uh, – how do you pronounce his name? Tensai? Yeah, Tensai, yeah. I would, I would assume, you know, it, it seems like Vince is big on him just the way that he's been placed. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if um, what Cody lost to get in money in the bank, right? I wouldn't right. be surprised if he finds his way in and he wins it. That's probably I, – I, even though he lost, I'm, I'm still going to go and tell you Cody Rhodes is probably winning that. Thing. Yep. Uh, Boris, appreciate the call. Thanks to all the callers. Uh, 646-721-9828, your chance to talk to former WWE creative team member John Pierre Marini. He was on, uh, on staff from 2009 and 2010. First email question, John, comes from Gary from Washington, D.C. Says, hello, Wade. Want to say thanks for the great content and all of your hard work and dedication to the torch. I enjoy the site. It's been a while since you last interviewed John Piermarini, and he hinted at possibly revealing the mystery of the Raw GM, but at the time he wasn't ready to. I was just wondering if he's willing to reveal it at this time. Thanks. <laughs> of course, it's either that or uh, the Nexus bigger picture. I just <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I'm uh, at liberty to give that away. So we'll come back to that on another day. All right. It has been the, the ball has been kicked down the field once again. Are you just, just for clarification? And I'm not pushing you to do something you're not comfortable with at all. Yeah. Um, do you think they might still that there's still room for them to bring that back and reveal it, and that it would be the person who was originally planned? I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, they could they could bring it back. Sure. Uh, it's it's it'd be far off from anything that they planned for it. Well, let me ask you, I mean, you've had, you've had guys on the show uh, since I've been on that have been on creative. I mean, how do they tackle these questions regarding that in particular, or have they not been asked? I don't think they were asked about the Mystery Jam because everybody predated that, because I don't think I had anybody on who was a colleague. Well, you were there with uh, DJ, right? Yeah, I was there with DJ. Yeah, so you know what? I just don't think anybody asked when he was on. You You have been... That that uh, that uh, question has been somehow uh, attached to you, and you are the only one who's allowed to answer. But yeah, I guess I just nobody's asked DJ about it. But everybody else predated you. Um, Seth well, Mays, he tells you. Andrew if Rose he Jr. tells you, have me back on, and I'll tell you it again. Say that one more time, John. If he tells you, have me back on, and I'll tell oh. you it again. <laughs> All right, very good. Is it somebody in the company right now who we've seen on TV in the last six months? <laughs> I can't tell you. You can't say that much? Because it's either everybody in the world other than who's been on TV or, or all the people who have been on TV in the last six months. <laughs> I don't want to say. I don't want to say anything. All right. You well, know, I have to think. I've given, I've, given, I've given you a lot of info, and <laughs> I feel like I've left the two biggest ones only because, you know, those might be the ones that they actually care about. No, and fair enough. I am, I am doing this because if I don't do, ask a little bit of follow-up, I will be bombarded with people who <laughs> want to know, why didn't you at least ask him if this was the case? Okay, is the mystery GM over six feet tall or under six feet tall? That's my last question, then we're moving on. Uh, with shoes or without? Oh, so very close to six feet then? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> He's, All right, uh, I, I have done my saying, job. I have okay, done my job. Yeah. I have pressed the issue. 
And every VIP member and every Livecast listener now doesn't have to give me a hard time or you. We'll just kick the ball down the field and address it again someday. I promise this. Let's, let's say this, Wade. I promise this, that if I do tell you guys, I will, I will promise to come to you and tell you you don't have to ask. I will tell you guys. If, Wait, I'm, you're I saying you'll tell us and no one else, or you're saying never ask me again. Please let me be the one to bring it up. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying don't ever ask me again. I'm just okay. saying that if someone wants to use a question, they might as well ask something that probably has a better chance of being answered. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> All right. Very good. That was fun. Thank you for subscribing to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. Don't forget, we got a whole lineup of other shows called the PW Torch Daily Casts. It's free. Just search PW Torch in your podcast app. A different show on a different topic throughout the week, including shows dedicated to AEW, NXT, MMA, Ring of Honor, and more. Just search PW Torch in your podcast app or check out links to the latest shows at our main website, pwtorch.com. All right, let's go to uh, the next call. Um, Jerome from Toronto says, I had a question for John about the Divas. With Kelly Kelly's time off, Gail Kim, and most recently, Maxine quitting, did you notice any frustration among the Divas regarding lack of time, storylines, and creative direction given to them? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yes, I did. Yeah. I I mean, mean, it would be just like anybody else working there that doesn't get on TV. I mean, you saw it even with, with Zack Ryder and his show. I mean, he's... He's yeah. not shy about voicing his frustration, whether you're a diva, or a male competitor. I, I'm sure even with the referees, if they don't get, you know, a top match. I mean, creative was the same way. Oh, you know, you're not going to give me the, uh, the big rock promo, you know, or you're not going to let me have a promo on the show at all today or whatever the case may be. It's, it's everywhere in life, so it's no different with the divas. You know, may, maybe they just have a different mindset in thinking that, you know, there's a reason why they don't get put on the show as much. But, um, oh, yeah, I mean, everyone gets frustrated when they're not used. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the chat room is mad at you, John. <laughs> they want what are they mad about? Do I want to answer? Just, just the GM thing, yeah. yeah. But other people are telling others to calm down. It's your prerogative. But, yeah, one guy's like, I don't care what he has to say anymore. Don't bring him on again. Another <laughs> guy says, it's over. It's dead. It's buried. Just reveal it already. So, anyway. All right. That's not a question. That's just me commenting off to the side. I wasn't addressing tell, it. Tell, I'll give away my uh, – I'll go get a P.O. box, and I'll give away my address, and I'll uh, – if people want to send me $100 bills, I'll, I'll send them back an answer to the question. Ah. Okay. <laughs> I've never paid for news before, but I might see the 100 just to see if that actually works. Under a different name, though. Just see if you live up to that. <laughs> well, you'd have to you'd – ha- I'd have to send you a confidentiality agreement. I mean, i got to have some things that I can keep for myself. I mean – what if one day I want to do something and I want to be able to have something to reveal? Not yeah. that it would matter at that point, but you never know. Yeah, yeah. No, no, fair enough. I, 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 I am not obsessed with it. <laughs> In 25 years almost of doing this job, there have been many forgotten storylines, many things that weren't followed up on. And as uh, DJ put it, um, uh, Chris DeJoseph, by the way, is who I'm talking about, Big Dick Johnson, who was on the show a couple weeks, a few weeks back. Um, you know, Vince, when it comes to storyline inconsistencies, such as, you know, Vince had the power taken from him last year, Late last summer, he got the power taken away from him to hire or fire the GM, and then all of a sudden, with no explanation, the board has reinstated his power to fire or retain John Laurinaitis. And as Krista Joseph said, you know, when writers bring that up, 
and say, shouldn't we address this? You know, eight months ago we said this, and Vince's attitude is, I don't remember that. Our viewers aren't going to remember it. What I care about is this week. Uh, I mean, exactly my point, and again, it goes back to that original question of why doesn't creative, you know, why do they only care about this funny segment that they did? They, it's out of their hands at certain points, and Vince has said that so many times. If I don't remember it, they're not going to remember it. I don't know if he remembers what he ate for lunch earlier today. So, uh, you know. Probably a steak wrap with ketchup. Well, yeah, yeah very bloody. Yeah, good guess. All right, uh, next question. Uh, Jay Peter says, nearly every single former WWE creative team writer goes online uh, in one form or another and just blasts the company. Is there anything you enjoyed about your time in WWE or the current product? I think the only time that, and, and I'm sure he's referring to me at some point too and with my blog and all that, but, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed almost every second of the job, minus you know certain aspects of it. I mean, I was I was doing a job that I I wanted to do since I was six years old. I mean, they didn't have you know creative writing uh, team back when Hogan and Macho Man were feuding, but I still wanted to be part of that company. So just to be there and work for Vince and see these guys that that I grew up in a, to an extent idolizing and 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 being able to be part of you know, creating that for someone else or working with these guys, all of it was great. And, you know, I, I just want to make it clear for just speaking for myself, you know, I walked away from that company. I quit because I, I just, I, I didn't want anything to do with it anymore. So I don't have bad feelings towards them, but the one thing that, you know, I will sort of watch and uh, I voice, if you talk to someone that was on the raw writing team when um, today and you ask them about, what was I like working with? They'll tell you that whatever you saw on my blog or whatever you see me say on your shows, I express that same exact, whether it's frustration or, or joy or whatever it may be, to them. So yeah. I, don't, I don't act any different than I, do, or di- than I did when I was there. So I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know why people blast them. You know, maybe with people that are let go, they have those ill feelings because – I'm sure people are let go when they feel like I did give 100% of my effort and I could have contributed more, but you didn't want it, so I'm yeah. fired, so screw you. But, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I enjoyed a lot of stuff. I enjoyed, you know, creating, you know, a character like Alberto Del Rio. I enjoyed taking, taking Miz, who even, with, he, even when I went there, I wasn't a fan of him, and, and, and turning in – what I thought he would become is a huge superstar, and, you know, he's kind of been dropped back down. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed being part of WrestleMania. I enjoyed, uh, you know, meeting and working with Bret Hart and Chris Jericho and guys that I was a fan of. I loved all that stuff, but everything, no matter what you do, if you work, it's a job, and that's a job. And I hated the job aspect of it, and I hated not having a life, but I enjoyed my experience there. Yeah. Yep. And I, I don't think it was just you. I just I, I think when people leave the company, no matter what the circumstances, you know, you're gonna. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I've seen enough positive comments, but people just, you know, people like to be snarky on Twitter. People like to, you know, look like they would, you know, that hey, here's something that jumped out at me that I that I would do differently and write about it. Yeah. I don't I don't know that that's you know bitterness or or uh, you know not that that reflects on not enjoying the experience of contributing to the product when they were there. Or thinking they were the only ones who were any good, and now that they're gone, it sucks. <laughs> For me, it's more of, of just a creative mind that I have. So I can watch a segment, and I can go, I would have done this differently. But a lot of things that people don't understand, like my frustration would be 
I mean, my car rides after after Raw driving to SmackDown would be almost the same thing that you would see from my blog, where it would be, look, I I don't get it. I'm going to say we should have this guy do this, and then you're gonna you're gonna crap all over it. But then we're gonna have this guy do this instead. You know, I just it's 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 a frustrating thing, and and my creative mind is more so, man, I would do this with this, not so much to try to say what they put on sucks, even though I may think that it does. Nineteen when I was seconds. There. I thought it sucked at, at times. But I'm not going to go on Twitter while I work there and tell people that. Yep. Yep. All right, next email question. Uh, this is from Louis from Illinois. Does the creative team perform rewrite work on certain WWE films, or is it limited to the final credited script writers? Say that one more time, please. Yeah, does the creative team perform rewrite work on certain WWE films, or is it limited to the final credited screenwriters? In other words, did, did the wrestling creative team have anything to do with WWE film scripts? Uh, currently, I don't know. But when I was there, if anyone was looking at it, like if Brian was looking at it, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know, and, and we were never given anything. I mean, I know we were given like uh, copies of the, uh, the autobiographies to look over, but not the, uh, not the movies. Yeah. All right, next question. Uh, Tony from Detroit says, uh, Wade and John, I was wondering if John was present the day ESPN filmed their E60 piece back in April 2009. This was when cameras were allowed briefly inside a creative production meeting before Vince told them to stop filming. If so, what does he remember from that day, and how likely is it WWE will peel back the curtain even more in the future? No, I came in, um, what, a month after that? Or WrestleMania, and then what was the next pay-per-view? Ten seconds. Uh, he said it was a, it was... It, it aired or filmed in April of '09. I can't pinpoint it, but I mean, either you were there or you weren't. I can't remember exactly timeline. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't there. I think I was there either the next month or the following month after that. Um, and uh, you know, I, I, I even I think went over an idea with you at one point where I thought like the last sort of uh, bullet in the chamber that they had was to just steal it all the way back and do a reality show that almost coincides with the pay-per-view. You know, and you can air it like the Monday after the pay-per-view, and it's almost the, the entire buildup of what happened from being in those meetings to, to talking to talent to, to, you know, getting with the producers and just sort of just saying, look, we, I, you have these guys showing up. You have a guy, you know, Seamus and Alberto Del Rio showing up at a, at a charity event together and smiling and taking pictures together with kids. I mean, what are you hiding at this point? Just, just give <laughs> yeah. it to us. Just show us. I mean, at least at least you could get some sort of buzz on that show and maybe some, create some interest with with your product based on being able to have people go. I don't necessarily watch wrestling anymore, but if you're gonna like, you know, you're gonna show me how the rabbit got in the hat, I'll watch it, and it yep. maybe brings brings viewers back. It's not like you're you're. It, it, I really don't know what they're they're holding in their pocket anymore. Yeah. But they, you know, what I mean, I get it when it's 1989. Yep. Well, well put. Support us on Patreon starting at $4.99. Get these shows ad-free and bonus VIP content. That's $4.99 on Patreon. Patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That's Patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That is the quickest, cheapest, and easiest way to support us and enjoy these shows with a streamlined listening experience. The Wade Keller Post Shows, Podcasts, and the PW Torch Daily Casts, plus some random VIP bonus content. Uh, John, let's uh, wrap up the uh, live portion of the show. If you can, stay by, stay after for just a few minutes. We can uh, tackle a few j- subjects I wrote down we didn't get to during the live show, and then we'll uh, do the wrap-up. Does that work for you? 
Sounds good. All right, cool. Thanks to everybody for joining us. Don't forget, a lot going to be going on in the next week in the USC world. Chael Son and getting his rematch long-awaited against Anderson Silva. The commercials for this are great. The uh, trash-talking is at an elev- has elevated to a level I've never seen before in USC, and that means something with Tito Ortiz and Ken Shamrock and Frank Mir and Brock Lesnar. Uh, check out full details at MMATorch.com, our sister website. Some great work, great writing, great reporting being done there. And also our free MMA Torch app on iPhone, Android, and Amazon Kindle Fire. You can also listen on blogtalkradio.com slash MMA Torch to the weekly MMA Torch livecast. If you're a UFC and MMA fan, you definitely want to become a fan also of MMA Torch and check out our sister site. John Piermarini, thanks so much for uh, joining us. And VIP members, stick around. He'll be here for a few more minutes. I want to ask him his thoughts on last night's impact. I know he's got some reaction to that. Cena's nine-year-old comment, Raw expanding to three hours. John Laurinaitis' role on TV, which we haven't talked about at all. And then a little bit about Brock and Rock. So we'll hit some of those maybe rapid fire in the VIP after show. Until next time, on behalf of John Piermarini, Wade Keller, thank you, everybody, for joining us once again. All right, John, uh, VIP After Show portion now. Welcome to the VIP side of things, and thanks for uh, spending a few more minutes with us. Um, John Laurinaitis, big role on TV since you were last on the show. Are you surprised at, uh, at how much he became an integral TV character, and do you know if that's something that he had in a desire to do, or does it, just, does it just blow your mind that he turned out to be you know, such a big part of the, sh- of, of, uh, the on-air product this year? Thank you for using Blog Talk um, Radio. Goodbye. Do I don't I don't recall him ever having that um, uh, him ever pursuing that avenue. No, I, I don't know how that would have come about um, yeah. to get him on there. So he was he was you know in the production meetings he was always in there. He was all I just he never really came up as. It, 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 I I don't know. I think if I had to take a guess, I would just guess that. At one point, I think they wanted to uh, be able to. I think what uh, Vince McMahon brought out Laronitis at one point, and then what a week later or two weeks later, Vince McMahon was relieved of his of his power at least. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe what they were trying to do was have a character there that can be linked to Vince. And I think that maybe it just grew from there, and maybe Laronitis was getting the heat from the crowd, and they just decided to go with him. Yeah. Yeah. All right, all right. Did you find John behind the scenes as somebody who you thought would make a good honor character, or was he one of the last people you thought would have that much of a speaking role this year? And and what was your opinion of what you saw of his work? I, I never, I never, I didn't have an opinion because I never thought that he would be somebody that would be used in that role. But <laughs> um, hey, I mean, he did all right, I guess. I didn't really yeah. watch it that much when he had sort of his time there as the GM or whatever he was called. But um, I, from what I saw of him, I mean, he did he did the job of, of getting heat from the crowd. I don't know if it was the right heat, but yeah. um, people wanted to see him get his ass kicked, so I guess he did his job. And we'll, uh, we'll see how that buy rate does. I don't think we have numbers yet for the Cena Laurinaitis headline show. but and you, um, and you put it like this, though, too, Wade. It's like... You don't all. You also don't know who else would have been put in that position. So I mean, he he could have been the best option that they had until whatever they decide to do next. Yeah. 
Uh, email question. John, what's your opinion of Raw going to three hours next month, and how much is writing a three-hour show different than writing a two-hour show? Uh, I think it's a horrible decision because I don't know that they do a great job of filling two hours as it is. Um, uh, it, writing a three-hour show is is only difficult in the sense that you have to put certain superstars in certain spots. So the problem lies in do we have enough guys to be able to fill the opening segment, the crossover into the second hour, the crossover into the third hour, and then the main event. Um, that would be the only the only problem. And that's why most of the time when we had three-hour shows, we'd get we'd make them dual branded so that we could fill that time with you know the top stars of SmackDown. Um, again, off the top of my head, I don't even know if they have enough talent to do that. Um, yeah. They could they could they could take that opportunity to make it, which I think is great, but. I don't necessarily see the advantage of going to three hours. I don't know how that's going to help them at all. I mean, maybe USA Network just wants it, so they're going to give it to them, but I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do with it. From a, from a uh, labor standpoint for the writing team, is it a huge headache, or is it not as bad as, like, saying having to write a whole other show, for instance? It's just, you know, do, do you think some matches will just be kind of longer and – a few ideas that you have simply won't get shot down. You know, you've already done the work. You guys came up with ideas, and instead of Vince saying no, no, and no, now maybe it's an opportunity for the writing team to get some of the guys who they wanted to give TV time to and they have ideas for more TV time. To me, that's kind of the rosy picture from a writing perspective if you're on the creative team. Absolutely. I think at that point you kind of have the opportunity to go, you know, I can, I can sneak my Zack Ryder segment in or I can sneak my Ted DiBiase segment in and, and, and get that on the air because we have to fill time. And I think it, it's also good because I think Vince will be willing to give more people an opportunity at that point. Um, but uh, what was it uh, you were saying? What was the first part of that question, though? Because you said something before getting uh, talent on the show. Oh, maybe they just, you know, stretch a few segments, you know, a few matches will just be longer. Instead of only giving the Divas two minutes, they get four. Instead of giving, you know, Daniel Bryan against somebody six minutes, with a commercial break in the middle. Now he'll do 12 minutes with a commercial break in the middle. Like, in a way, maybe it's not even more work other than you just change the number next to the match time. That can cover at least maybe a half hour. That, that's possible, but I don't know if that's going to be their philosophy. Right, yeah. Yeah. But we'll see, but you, could be. Very well could be. You said you think it's an awful, you know, a terrible idea. Expand on, on why you think a third hour. I mean, I, I agree with you. <laughs> um, I'm willing to be proven wrong, and I hope I'm proven wrong, but I, I agree it does seem like kind of a horrible idea hours of a TV show every single week. I don't know if anybody today, there's so many options to do. I mean, you've got so many channels, you've got the Internet, you've got different things to do, and you're going to sit there for three hours on a Monday and watch a show where you've almost been programmed at this point to not be all that interested in. Plus, you have so many other avenues to, to receive that content. You can go on YouTube. You can go on WWE.com. You know that on SmackDown, if you missed anything, they'll replay whatever the whatever is the the, the the best or the most important thing of the show was. I just don't see anyone going. I'm going to sit down in front of this television for three hours and watch it. Plus, I think they'll get burned out by it. I mean, I remember I couldn't have been a bigger fan than the Monday Night Wars, and I even remember with with WCW, it was kind of like, oh, 
you know, it's cool that they were going to three hours because I would sit there and watch it for three hours. But at the same time, after a while, you're just kind of going, oh, get on with it already. So um, I don't know if there's really any other way to expand on it except to say that I just don't know if anyone has that time right now. I mean, everything is so, you know, in your face and, you know, quick clips and, and this and that. I just don't know if anyone wants to invest especially with what they'll probably end up doing with it. I mean, it's going to be more ha-ha backstage segments, I would, I would probably assume. It's also going to be more of what I think that they'll rely on at first is maybe some of the legends or some of the bigger names to fill that time. You know, they have times where they need to put John Cena in four segments on the show. Well, are they going to put him in seven now if they, if they don't – if they give, say – Tyson Kidd a chance, and they don't really like what they see out of them, okay, we'll fill it with John Cena. We don't really have anyone else, or let's bring somebody up, up don't like them like they did with uh, Johnny Curtis, and, and they got to fill that time still. So I think that unless they're prepared to, to be able to say, look, we're going to go with these guys, we're going to give them the opportunity, and if they fail, we're just going to have to stick with them as opposed to just kind of what they're probably doing it, which is they probably have – the 1,000th episode mapped out, and then after that, they'll figure it out on Wednesday. And they'll do that. They'll continue to do that every single week. I, I think SmackDown will probably end up taking a hit from this. Um, it's hard to imagine, you know, three hours of Raw featuring SmackDown talent now on the Super Show format, and then Vince having any juice left for SmackDown. I mean, the ratings are holding up okay, but... It just seems like, to me, I, I wonder if SmackDown viewership doesn't go down a little bit for people who say, well, if something important happens, it's going to happen on Raw. And then by the time they get done with three hours, three hours, ten minutes, it's like even by the time Friday comes around, they're not really ready again to invest that in their life with so many good things on TV now, so many other things to yeah. do online, Netflix, blah, 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 all that stuff. Yeah, I hear you. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, what, what is SmackDown getting these days in the ratings? They used to be doing what, like mid twos when I was there, I think. Yeah, I mean, they dropped down to like one, when they went to Sci-Fi. Um, they ended up dropping down last year to it, pretty consistently in the one seven, one eight range. They uh, went up to two zero. They, they went up above two point zero again recently, then dropped down again, and now they're back up to two point zero. So, um, yeah, you know, one, one, I think you know one point seven to two point one is kind of the range they've been lately. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, mean, I mean sci-fi like this. They're number one on Fridays on cable. I mean, they're doing enough to have some bragging rights that are, you know, worth bragging about. But clearly, clearly, more than ever, um, you know, USA Network and Raw is the franchise. Yeah, um, right. definitely. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Did you know we also have a website? PWTorch.com. Daily news updates, editorials, and my live TV coverage covering Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown, and my live pay-per-view coverage for WWE and AEW. Create a tab or bookmark, make it a daily stop, visit us throughout the day, every day, to keep up on breaking news and more. That's pwtorch.com. John, the, the Rock John Cena uh, lead-up to WrestleMania uh, was that a time when you had kind of withdrawn a little bit, or did you see some of those pretty fascinating, uh, intense exchanges, uh, sometimes uncomfortable exchanges between those two? <laughs> yeah, I remember I watched, I think, their first exchange, and then I remember, I think, I don't know if I watched every single one of them, but I do remember watching it periodically, and then I remember the go-home show, and I remember thinking, I might have even tweeted it, I mean, that it went downhill from the first promo that they had 
to the last. I mean, I think it got progressively worse. Um, and it and almost became when Rock would come out and be like, he's playing Simon Says, or I'm going to try to get something to trend as opposed to something to sell. And I mean, I guess he did a good job because WrestleMania sold a lot of pay-per-views, but, you know, I don't know if that was so much as his promos that he was cutting on, on Raw. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, it just it didn't, it didn't feel special. It felt special at the beginning, and then it just sort of felt like another promo where guys were going out there and they were more concerned with cutting each other down than they were building up that match. And I think they, I don't know if they realized it or if they just switched gears and you kind of had Cena do that sit-down, empty arena interview where this is, this is it. If I lose to him, that's it. Mm-hmm. Problem is, is you do, you do promos like that, and then the next week he doesn't follow up on, on the promo that he basically said, if I don't beat this guy, I'm done. And I thought that that's where they were going to go with it. But they, they just sort of dropped that as well. I know, yeah, the, the follow-up seemed weird. Uh, I, I thought it got, there were times where it got uncomfortable. Like there was, they went places that to me it seemed that they were, there were things that were said where if you knew a lot, you, you were kind of shocked that they would hint at it. And it went both ways with Rock and Cena. Um, I mean, I was shocked to see Cena, for instance, bring up gynecomastia. You know, the, the, the indelicately, you know, there's indel- indelicate terms for men when they get their, their uh, pecs start developing fatty tissue. And Cena brought that up. And I was like, wow. And then Rock brought up some things where I was like, wow, somebody's going to listen to that and wonder what that means, uh, you know, in Cena's life. I don't know. I, it just seemed like there was some, some tension there. Did, did you ever, uh, in your time there, get a sense that, how Cena felt about Rock or vice versa? Probably not vice versa, but. <laughs> um, I, know, I know Cena wanted to, I, when I was there, I think Cena had thrown some jabs at Rock to try to, I think, in an attempt to kind of sway Rock to come back. Yeah. And I think Rock was kind of like not all that interested in it. I don't remember exactly. You would know better than me. But um, I, I don't think, to be, okay, I'm going to tell you what I honestly think. I don't think that there was any sort of, uh, ill feelings on any one of their behalfs, but I think that what they decided to do was go, look, gloves off, let's just do this, let's do it right, let's let's sell the hell out of this pay-per-view. And I think that when you do that, I think one person goes too far, I think the other guy mm-hmm. very well could get this, and who even knows, maybe these guys went into it best friends and there was something that went down backstage. I honestly do not know, but I, it, it did feel heated at moments, um, I think that there were certain things that, like, you wouldn't bring up. Like, I don't think that you would ever script having Rock write his promo on his wrist and then say, okay, how about this? And you come out and you call me out that I can't remember my promo, so I got to write it on my wrist. I know. So, but it's the type of thing, too, that Rock would never wrong. admit. You know, Rock would never admit that, was, that wasn't scripted because he'd want to make it seem like, yeah, I didn't need to write notes. Vince made me do that. Right, but, I, yeah. but, but he wouldn't do it, and Vince would not make – because Vince puts trust in certain guys, right? So if Cena goes out there and he goes – I know he did this with, like, Batista and Cena uh, at the build-up to their WrestleMania uh, 26 match, 26 or 27, and uh, it was just, hey, go out there. I trust you guys. There were certain times he didn't like what they said, and he would tell them, but, you know, he's not going up to John Cena or Batista. But are you sure you know what you're going to say? Should you write it on your wrist? And if he's not doing it to those guys, he's definitely not doing it to The Rock. So I think that, that some of those things are legitimate. 
And I think yeah. that they rubbed each other the wrong way. And whether that was from their promos or whether that was, you know, something that, that maybe they just never liked each other and just decided to do this match. And, and that's just kind of where it went. And when one person did it, it just kind of kept going. But uh, there was definitely something going on there. I, I, I think my theory, not just made up out of whole air, but I'm not, it is still a theory, is kind of what you said, that early on when there was a honeymoon period, they said, hey, you know, you got a problem with me saying anything? Nope. You got a problem with me saying anything? Nope. And I think it was two guys in, a, in, a, you know, in a, the proverbial measuring contest saying, I, there's nothing you could say that would show me up. You know, I'm good. Yeah. You know, and I think Cena had this bravado to him. He's like, you know, everyone thinks I'm going to get chewed up and spit out by Rock, but I'm not going to. I'm good, and I'm plugged into this company, and, and I know where I can go after Rock, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win over the locker room and show the guys that I'm, I'm – I'm not small. I, I don't have to cower in the presence of the Almighty Rock. And I think Rock just thought, I'm the Rock. I'm freaking one of the top movie stars in the world, and I hold these fans in the palm of my hand. I am not worried about John freaking Cena. And then what happened is they both went out there and they followed each other's rules, and, and both guys had too much pride to pull the other aside and go, I think you went too far. So it right. just unraveled into this unprofessional mess that may have drawn a bigger buy rate had they been more professional and on focus, or maybe that sense of tension, however palatable it was to the average viewer, helped make people think this, this feels real enough, I've got to see what happens. And I, I don't really know the answer to it, but, yeah, I think, I think you know, you, you're saying something that I had thought and said, too, and I think other people sense it, too. I think it's two guys with big egos who had too much pride to say, stop it, you're hurting my feelings, and they just took advantage of it. Yeah, you know, I want to say something, too, about that whole thing. Is I think, my opinion only, and I'm, I'm sure people would disagree, I think that's the best that I've ever seen John Cena. And I've never really even been a huge John Cena promo fan. Mm-hmm. And that's the best. I, Cena won me over during that, what, eight weeks or six weeks that they were bringing The Rock back. I, I yeah. really thought Cena... I thought Cena took Rock. Rock's lunch money uh, a couple of yeah. weeks, and the Rock fans, you know, Rock fans and Cena haters came down on me hard for that. But it was amazing. Like I even published uh, uh, in the newsletter um, a, a batch of reaction that I got. Um, I think it was on Facebook when, when when I posted a link to my my comments on one of their most famous promos, and it was amazing. It, there were no people in the middle. It was like. Cena destroyed Rock. Anyone who thinks differently is an idiot. Or Rock destroyed Cena. How could anyone see it any different? You're totally biased. But people, it was like there was a passion, but I thought Cena really did chew up Rock a couple times, and Rock was on his heels. I, I couldn't, you know what, I couldn't agree with you more, and I think that, that uh, everyone could have their argument as to one way or the other, but I, I would really feel like anyone who felt differently than that either just really hates John Cena or just really loves The Rock and just felt like anything The Rock says is going to be great. Give yourself a reason to look forward to going to the mailbox each week with a PW Torch newsletter paper copy subscription. Details at pwtorch.com slash paper copy. It's 12 pages every week packed with my TV reports along with exclusive features such as my cover story on the top story of the week, our pay-per-view roundtable reviews from the Torch staff, exclusive feature-length columns from Greg Parks, Rich Fan, Sean Radikin, Alan Cunahan, and Zach Hadorn, Torch Talk transcripts, the latest news, and more. pwtorch.com slash paper copy. Take a break from screen time and settle in every week. 
with a mega dose of wrestling news and analysis with a Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter, paper copy edition, in the year 2022. You can get a full year of home delivery for just $99. Or try us for an eight-week trial subscription. pwtorch.com slash papercopy. Well, it's kind of like watching a football game when the national commentators are calling a game as opposed to, you know, when you're watching the Homer announcers. The national announcers kind of have to be objective. But you're used to listening to your local sports talk show and reading your local blogs and your columnists. So you think the other team is full of jerks who cheated. And you think your team, anytime they did anything, it was totally justified. And you then listen to these objective announcers. And because they didn't side for you and against those evil rivals, they're biased and they're in favor of the rivals. They're in the back pocket of the rivals. Like your perception is so different when you, quote, have a home team because you see it through that lens. And people who liked Rock saw it through the lens. People who were newer fans who wanted to see their star that they've paid to see and seen in person the last five, six years, and they've never seen Rock in person at an event, they were rooting for Cena. But it, was, it really was amazing how differently people saw it. But I think some people who did not like what John Cena did didn't like it because they felt he was unprofessional. The way that he smirked, the way that when Rock hit a crescendo in his promo, that Cena talked right over it in a way that you could tell irked Rock, and I felt was unprofessional, and I thought Cena went too far sometimes. But in general... I think that Cena was not just up to the task, but Rock was blindsided at how quick-witted and, and just uh, how Cena would not blink in the presence of the almighty Rock. And I just think Rock kind of checked in, thought I can phone, my way, phone, phone in and have the crowd on the palm of my hand, and I think he was just act, absolutely shocked at how much had changed and how, much, how good Cena was. Well, look, here's the one thing I'll say about the Rock is – um... Rock is probably, I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm the most entertained by his promos um, out of anybody who's ever talked on the mic, but I will say as far as when you watch him, mm-hmm. he's probably the best promo in the history of, of wrestling. And, again, I'm not talking about content. I'm just talking about you look at the guy and you watch his mannerisms. You watch how he delivers the promo. Just, just everything. It's, it's like watching a guy who has is is. You're watching a Tom Cruise, Al Pacino kind of movie, and you're watching the kid who just graduated film school, and uh, or not film school, but he's a kid who just moved out here from where are you from, Minnesota, and got his first gig. You know, and um, I think that Rock has some of the most original content. And, and, and funny and just witty and, and, all, and the best content as far as a promo goes. But then I think where Rock doesn't necessarily excel is when you can sort of on the cuff kind of come up with something. And I think that that's not necessarily his personality. And I think that he had these great promos that he had written and, and he was going to deliver them great but I think that once you involve John Cena in there, who was going to go, let me call you out on something. Mm-hmm. You know, you saw a different rock. You saw, you saw Dwayne Johnson now come out and go. And, and if you notice, I think anytime John Cena did that, rock got pissed. And yep. it wasn't like he came at yep. him and said, you know, I'm going to make you, I'm going to make you dance or let's bring a pie 
where he has those things scripted and lines fed to him from, you know, whether it was Coachman or, or Stone Cold or whoever it was at the time, to throw back a jab where people felt like, oh, man, this guy can go against anybody. But when he wasn't prepared for what Cena was going to say, mm-hmm. I think you saw where, where Rock stands with that. And I think yep. Cena sort of excels more because he was given that sort of opportunity in the, in the generation that he – that he competed where it was a little bit more free for him to go out there and say what he wanted to say. And, and I, I agree with that. And I think, too, Rock, on that first promo, when he did, you can't see me, and just <laughs> emasculated John Cena. I mean, he duct taped him to the flagpole in his, in his underwear. I mean, it was like, yeah. wow. And then Cena yeah. came back the next week with a rap, and it was pretty good. It was, you know, it was, if you're objective, it was pretty good. It was surprisingly better than I think people thought because Cena didn't sell it. It was water off his back, but he came prepared, and he went back to what got him the push in the first place, which is this ability to kind of uh, freestyle. And he went out there, and he gave a good counterpunch. He took it, and he gave a counterpunch. But I don't think John Cena ever forget, forgot how much Rock went for the jugular that first week and really tore apart his promo. And granted, John Cena didn't, probably never told him, don't do it. And so Rock felt, hey, I got the liberty, I'm going to do it. But I think in the end, Cena thought, okay, this guy's in for himself. So he had a whole year, you know, to prepare for the promos. Where, and I bet he was just, oh, I can't. Every night he went to bed thinking about, I need another chance at him. You know, I mean, it's, 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 it's how the Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma City uh, Thunder feel right now about getting a rematch. Or, you know, how the Boston Celtics, if they were younger, would feel about getting back at Miami. It's just like a whole year goes by, and you can't wait for that rematch to get them again. And I felt Cena was more engaged and much more motivated than Rock. And I think Rock can't be blamed. He's making tens of millions of dollars. This is a fun little side project for him. And, you know, if John Cena shows him up on a promo, I don't think Rock lost a lot of sleep about it. I, I was slightly humbling, but I think he moved on to bigger and better things pretty, pretty quickly. I think you summed it up perfect. I mean, it's like that with anything in life. I mean, you got, you know, if it's UFC, if it's basketball, if it's who's putting in more work is going to end up excelling in, in the competition. And I think yeah. that um, this, was, this was the pinnacle of John Cena's career. This is it. I yeah. am going to wrestle the rock. Anything that I have done before this pales in, compa- in comparison to this. I am going to make sure that I am – at the peak of my career on the mic in the ring or whatever it may involve with The Rock. And I think The Rock looked at it as, man, this is great. I'm going to go back. I'm going to do Vince a favor. I'm going to, you know, everyone's going to love me. I'll do my thing. You know, I have some great promos that are written for me. And I think he was just shocked <laughs> when what he ran into. Yep. Uh, it's, yeah, I don't shocked at what he ran any, into. Yeah, I, I don't think he knew any better to, but to get pissed off. And kind of felt maybe felt like, whoa, this this isn't the way that this goes here. You don't just come out here and and interrupt me and put me down without me knowing that you're doing it. You know, and they may have known full well. You know, Cena might have Rock might have run the you know the first promo he did on Cena by him, and maybe Cena was like, ha that's funny. All right, cool, do it. You know, and and, and whether he was mad about it or whether he wasn't. I just think that, you know, Rock, I think Rock was more, hey, you know, Brian or whoever it may be that's writing this stuff for me, um, here's some of the ideas I have. Put it together in a promo. I'll see you Monday. I'll look it over. We'll write some different things for it. I'll go out there. I'll say it. That'll be great. What's Cena going to come out and say? I don't know. And I think that's where he just lost it. 
Yeah, yep. Well, put, I, it, we, we talk up Cena, but there was a moment on Monday that was a big letdown. I don't know if you saw it, but the exchange with Jericho, did you watch that start to finish? Uh, I watched maybe the uh, I watched Jericho come out looking like an older Sid Vicious, and then I saw. Uh, I was thinking Martin Short. <laughs> well, you know the reason why I say Sid is because Sid came out. What I think later in the show or at the yeah. before him, I don't know. And I remember going, God, he looks older than Sid looks, and Sid yeah. looked old. And then what Jericho commented, I think, on his new look. I mean, that's your new look. Uh, yeah. I don't know that that's a look per se, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw the what the nine-year-olds and um, the PG show. Yeah, yeah, the PG and the and then the or the the fudgin, and then Jericho says, "What are you nine? And Cena goes, "Well, that's the age of our audience." And what's interesting is when that got uh, replayed on the Spanish channel, they actually edited they edited nothing else out but that. They t- so so to me that seems like it was unscripted, improvised, and they thought better of it after the fact. Because why would you, first of all, why would you say fudging and expect anyone to think you're cool over the age of, like, nine? And then why would you draw attention to being PG when the audience, you know, you don't hit your audience over the head with that when the teen viewership has been declining rapidly uh, over the last year, year and a half, two years? And then to say, well, our audience is nine, I mean, I, I, honestly, I thought that was one of the dumbest things anybody's ever said on TV. PW Torch is now on YouTube. Check out our relaunched, revamped, and reinvigorated YouTube channel after many years sitting dormant, collecting dust. And now it's back, shinier, brighter. It smells better. It's our PW Torch YouTube channel. And you can check out daily news updates, the weekly fireside chat with Tyler Sage and Zach Hadorn, and my Keller commentaries. The first Keller commentary was my rebooking of WrestleMania 38's lineup. I used all the same wrestlers, but none of the same matches. And I tried to make a better two-night event. Decide for yourself. Go check it out. YouTube.com slash PWTorch. And be sure to hit subscribe and like our videos. Yeah, you know, that's, that's again when you get into, uh, I think... I think Cena wanted to wanted to say that, but I think that backed up what he does, and I think he wanted to validate himself to go. I, I, yeah, that's why I said it because it, the, everyone's buying that watches, and I think that that's kind of a way to validate himself in it. Um, yeah. But but then that's also what you get. I think I'm. I, I remember when I first left. I remember a couple months after that, I heard that they were not necessarily scripting entire promos now, but just bullet-pointing information for guys. And it's looking like now it's almost getting to the point where these guys are just going out there and saying whatever it is that they want to say. Because I can tell you this, you walk into Vince's office with a Cena promo with Cena, nine and a half times out of ten he's going to go, yeah, 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 I don't care, just go. But there are times when he sits there and goes, I don't know if you should say this or that. I, I, Cena must have just went out there and with Jericho and he, Vince had no idea what they were going to say and I can tell you if he edited that he was not happy when, when they came back from, from the ring mm-hmm. yeah and, yeah. I've, and I've, seen, I've seen Vince get mad for, for less than that so I can only imagine how mad he was yeah and I, did, did, did it, did you, how did you react when you heard that said the first time uh, on Monday I, I, I think yeah. I just laughed and was just kind of like, really? You know, like I, don't, like, I don't know why you would say that. Whether it's true or not, I mean, the PG thing is it's true, but 
the nine-year-old kids, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I, I didn't get why he even said yeah, it. I Again, I, I feel like, you know, after after a second, and you're kind of like, yeah, I, I get it. You know, he wants to validate himself, you know. Yeah. And, you know, in his mind, he'd be like, it was a gross exaggeration. I'm being sarcastic. I'm just going back at Jericho. But it, 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 the sad part is it rings a little too true. And that's the problem is the, the, the caricature of John Cena is he only appeals to prepubescent kids and women. And if you listen to the cheers, you know, let's go Cena, Cena sucks. Let's go Cena, Cena sucks. I mean, it's just like to play into that in such a flippant way, it, the, the biggest problem is it tells your 12 and 14 and 16 and 18-year-old male fans who maybe you won over during the rock and Brock stuff, it tells them, nah, I'm still one step removed from Blue's Clues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, the divorce, uh, not, not that you got really into Cena's personal life, but, well, you know, that's made headlines. TMZ, his wife saying, you know, Cena, I got dirt on Cena. Since I've heard that Cena's got dirt on her and all of that kind of thing. Um, did, did Cena sleep around a ton while he was married while you were there? I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not asking you to say that. But honestly, just on a personal level, were you kind of disappointed to hear that? Or do you say, <laughs> hey, wrestlers and family, it's tough with his schedule? Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that any relationship could last in that business. To be perfectly yeah. honest, um, yeah. I mean, you know, when I was there, I was I was missing anniversaries. I was missing birthdays, and and it's tough because you know, when I first went there, you know, I let I, my fiance at the time. I was like, you know, this is going to happen, and and I just I, I won't take the job if, if this is going to be a problem. And, you know, you, it's one thing to go, no, let's do it. And then it's another thing when the time actually comes and, uh, you know, you're not there. So, I, and they're doing it on a larger scale, I, w- I would assume. But, look, it's life on the road. Things happen. And uh, I don't know. I can't, I can't tell you. And if, even if I did, I'd tell you the same answer. But yeah. I can't tell you, um, you know, oh, yeah, John Cena goes around, he sleeps around. Um, but I wouldn't, let's put it this way, I wouldn't be surprised because, number one, being on the road so much, and number two, just being a borderline celebrity in general, uh, I don't think wrestlers necessarily have a problem walking down the street, um, which is, I always found odd. I mean, you got the big names, Hogan or whatever, you get recognized, yeah. but you know, I don't think that if uh, Randy Orton walked down the street that anyone would go, oh, my gosh, there's Randy Orton. I've done it with these guys before. No one knows who they are. And uh, so, you know, but he's still to an extent a celebrity, and, and you know, that plays a part. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised. It sucks, but I'm not surprised. And you know what, though, the way that I look at it is you, you almost have to, these people have to put what, what's my priority. Is my priority the WWE or is my priority my wife? Because yeah. I'm sure at some point it had to come up where, if it was infidelity, this isn't – well, first of all, Cena is the one that filed, so who knows what what the story is. But, right. you know, that, that comes to a point where what does he want to do? Does he want to give up his, his dream, or does he want to give up his, I guess, his life? And yeah. uh, it's tough because sometimes you don't necessarily have an answer because did John Cena save enough money to be able to walk away? I don't know. Did he, did he, did he want to? I don't know. But you could see, you could tell, honestly, and I don't want to say names or anything, but you could tell uh, who made the effort uh, to try to mix those worlds mm-hmm. and who, who didn't. And I'm talking that from 
a talent standpoint to like a writer's standpoint where I think there was only, uh, there was only two people, me and one other person that was married. Um, so, I mean, but I brought my wife around as much as I possibly could. I mean, especially with, with, uh, you know, I'm walking around or at, at times I'd get midnight phone calls from a diva who want to pitch something. And, you know, that doesn't look that great, you know, no. but I did the best that I could to go, Hey, whenever I can, I'm going to bring you around. I mean, I would drop my wife off with, you know, one of the girls or Michelle and just go, Hey, she's yours for a little bit. You know, like I, I I'm not trying to hide or separate those two worlds, but you, you do your best to try to mix it. And, and I don't know if, if Cena did or not, but Apparently, he's the one that didn't want to be in it anymore. You know what I found weird, though, is I remember, and I saw, like, John Cena in an interview with something, and he had said it was regarding, like, the road or something. Oh, no, it was right after, I think I even saw it on your site. It was right after some match, and he cut a promo, I think, for the house, but I think it ended up on pay-per-view where he said, I'm going to take a break. Yeah. And I can't, yeah, and then, like, the next day or something, they he was interviewed, and in the interviews, like, there's no other place I'd rather be than on the road. And I found that extremely odd because I knew he was married, and I'm going, really? Like, that sounds like such the wrong thing uh, to say yep. when, it, when you have that at home. So at that point, I think that's probably when he, was, he had made up his mind. And I don't even know if, uh, if that had to do with why he said he was going to take a break, and then he just realized, look, screw it. I don't need to take the break. I've made up my mind. Yeah. No, no, that's interesting. And I mean and it's tough too because we've seen, you know, romances develop over the years with people who are who share that bond of what it is like to be on the road and immersed in that industry and you spend way more time with people in the company than people not in the company. And yeah, the amount of work that that takes to maintain a relationship given WWE schedule, something Matt Hardy talked about last week when he was really pushing hard that Vince, for so many reasons, you know, should be working into the schedule, uh, system-wide, roster-wide, mandatory, extensive time off for guys over the course of their careers, not just for their health and so their bodies and minds can refresh, but just so that they actually have a realistic chance at being a father to their kid and a husband to their wife or girlfriend and really a son to their mother and father. Like, there's just, it's like committing to some cult, you know, when you join WWE where you're not even really allowed to be close to that other part of your life anymore. Uh, And it it just seems like not... I, you know, Stephanie and Vince and stuff, they'll say, oh, you know, we're, we're all family. And it's like, in a way, you can look at that as, as kind of a creepy statement, like, we're not just your job, but we're your family. <laughs> and, and it kind of can turn out to be that way where, you know, Triple H and Stephanie, you know, I mean, that, that's a relationship that happened because of so much they shared in common with being on the road. Yeah, and I think that you also see that with, you know, here's the thing with Vince, though. Number one, he wants, he, he'll, he, he'll be, I think he understands the philosophy, but I don't think it really makes sense to someone like me where it's, Look, I'll put 24 hours a day into this job. You mm-hmm. should, too. I'm not asking you to do anything I wouldn't. Well, right. you know what, Vince? When you give me your paycheck, I'll do exactly. that. Exactly. Yep. You know, like, I, I'm making what you tell me I'm going to make on a, on, a, on a weekly basis. You're making billions of dollars. I would do the same thing, too. When you start cutting us in on that and, and, and letting that kind of trickle down, I'll do the same thing. But you know what? I'll give you what I can give you. And, and I'm not benefiting anything else. The other thing with Vince, he's got a private jet. If he feels like, man, I've got to get home and watch uh, my granddaughter have her first birthday party, he'll go do the show, he'll get on the jet, he'll leave. That ain't yeah. us. 
You know, yep. so we don't we don't have that. And and he gets to travel with, um, you know, his daughter, his son-in-law. Those yep. kids come with them. His grandchildren are there on the road half the time. Yep. I, I don't. I didn't get to. I didn't get to say, hey, you mind flying in my wife and just letting her sit in on the production meeting and just kind of <laughs> following me around? No. Right. So like you know, they don't see it the way that we have to see it. And and to Matt Hardy's point, it's it would be so easy to give these guys. You know, okay, hey, for uh, these three weeks, this set of guys are going off. And if you're playing like an integral part in a storyline, we'll find a way to either write you off for three weeks or just you're going to switch with this guy and you'll get his – once we get you through this program with, with that we have you in with this guy, we'll put you up on, on the three-week hiatus. But, I mean, I think it would even benefit storylines, to be honest. Number one, it keeps guys fresher. Number uh, from a storyline perspective. Number two, you can you can write stories around these things. I mean, why why? I think a lot of the build for Chael Sonnen and Anderson Silva in the UFC fight is okay. Yes, granted the smack talk, I get it. Granted, the first fight was amazing, but it was also that I mean, you had people waiting and waiting and waiting for this rematch. I mean, what is it, two years? Yeah. And and now you're finally getting it. And I don't think anyone walked away and went, I'm not going to watch it if you don't give me that rematch in three months. So right. I think the anticipation is what really gets people pumped up, yeah. which is why I think longer stories work better because it's that anticipation of of what's going to happen as opposed to going, I'm not going to really invest in this because it's going to last for two weeks. Or I know you're going to get, I know you're going to pay this off quickly. So you know, it's like a spoiled kid. They spoiled these kids yep. with their product and then they give them something and you expect the kid to be like uh, jumping up and down for joy, but he's spoiled. Oh yeah. Thanks. Thanks for this. You you know, if you give give the kid the chocolate chip cookie at the beginning of every meal, he's never going to be excited about getting a chocolate chip cookie for dessert once a week. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. And uh, the sun and silver thing is, is, is it's an amazing template to show what, uh, you know, what can be done with adjustments. With some podcast memberships, there's a complicated system of having to enter a username and password in advanced settings, and it works on some apps but not others. That's not the case with PW Torch VIP membership. We now have a slick setup where you're a single click away when you go VIP from having your podcast feed automatically generated on Apple Podcasts. All you need is an authorized VIP membership as soon as you sign up on our express sign-up form, which takes about a minute. You'll get a link and you click on it and it opens Apple Podcasts and subscribes. No entering anything, no advanced settings. You can also subscribe on more podcast apps than ever other than Apple Podcasts, including Beyond Pod and Dogcatcher on Android and many others on iPhones and iOS. So VIP membership, it's more convenient than you realize. Get all the benefits of VIP membership, all the VIP exclusive podcasts and these shows with the ads and plugs removed with a VIP membership pwtorch.com slash go VIP. It's quick, it's easy, it's convenient, and we think it's worth it. pwtorch.com slash go VIP. The, uh, yeah, the, the, the whole thing with the schedule and Vince and, you know, working time off and building that into storylines and having guys off the show for a while to build for their return. You know, is pretty good about that with injuries. You know, you, re- you know, they were away for a while. The vignettes there, you can kind of redefine them when they return. They're fresh. You know, Randy Orton's been gone a while. You know, Chris Jericho felt fresh coming back after being away for a month or so. Um, I don't know. I, it, just, it just seems to me that it, when, when they're forced into it due to injury, 
or an Undertaker situation, a legend who just isn't going to work full-time, they make money from it. You know, I, I think you make more money from a wrestler nine months a year than you do 12 because the three months off makes the other nine so much more valuable. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Um, just one other thing on, on the Cena thing uh, since WrestleMania, the Brock feud. Uh, did it surprise you Brock came back? Did you watch much of that? What were your thoughts? Um, I was I was surprised until I found out the type of schedule that he's going to have because I felt like there's no way Brock Lesnar, and, and that's even from a point from when I was there and, and us discussing uh, Brock at, at, a, at a certain point. And I remember there was a rumor that Brock was, was going back to WWE like almost, not immediately, but shortly after he left originally. And I think WWE.com kind of was putting out photos of him at, at uh, Titan Towers and all that, and that was sort of the big thing. And I just remember going, you know, uh, why would why would we even offer to bring him back if he doesn't if he left because of the schedule? So you know, I was surprised that he went back, but then it's kind of like you know what you've only seen him twice, I think. So I think it sort of worked out where he 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 was able to build his brand big enough to be able to tell Vince, yeah, you want to pay me a million bucks or whatever it is he's paying him, I don't know. And, uh, you know, show up every once in a while. Or when, when do you need me? Well, I want you for Mania, SummerSlam, this and that. All right, cool. You know, I, I'm sure I can handle that. I wouldn't be surprised, too, if that, that wasn't a uh, semi-shoot on, the, uh, on getting the private jet. I don't, uh, I don't think he's using Vince's private jet, but I wouldn't be surprised if they don't send out something to pick him up when he's, when he's coming to TV. Right, yeah. Well, did, did it uh, – where do you? Well, let me ask this. Uh, with the time we got left, where do you? Where would you think they should go with uh, Cena or with Lesnar? I should say. And did you agree with Cena uh, beating Lesnar in the first match? A lot of people think that was just in case Lesnar walks out. We certainly can't have him be one and zero against our top guy. But did that take some of the juice out of Lesnar to do that? Should you even bring somebody in who you trust so little that you're willing to beat him in the first match and maybe cool him off a little bit? I don't know. I, it's, it's it's an interesting subject. Your take on that. Okay, well, I mean, I guess it depends on what take we're talking about. If if Vince's idea was to invest in this guy so that he could put over the WWE superstars, then no, I don't have a problem with it. Well, what did you pay for? Did you pay for that? Or did you pay to say, we're going to bring Brock Lesnar back and we're going to use him periodically for the next five to six years? Um, I think it was horrible because, number one, you already had the built-in story for Cena to lose that match. He was coming off the loss to The Rock. Is he the same? You could have went a whole different direction uh, yeah. with, with Cena. And if he lost, you, you know, it's like, all right, you don't take any way, anything away from Cena. His head might not be in it. The whole thing with Rock messed him up. And now you're going to throw the, the baddest SOB on the planet at him. He put up a good fight, but he lost. And... Uh, so I don't know, <clears throat> but then it's like then if you're going to bring back Brock Lesnar and, and kind of like the story that they have now where Triple H is basically, um, I don't want to use the word, but calling him a uh, female body part, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah he, you know, it's like he – the problem with, that I have with Triple H's promos is they're, they're almost so real that it's like – Ugh, you kind of went too far. Like, we get it. We get what you wanted to say, but you just flat out said it. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, you know, with, with Brock, it's like, yeah, maybe he is a coward. He did come back. He said, like, and he said it. He said, you went to, you went to UFC, 
you once you got the top guys, you couldn't cut it. You walked away. You came here. You can't cut it here again. You walk away. And it's like, ooh, that's, that is what happened to him. And, it's, it's, and you, brought, you brought him down. You brought down the Brock Lesnar UFC heavyweight champion that you brought in, and you made him Brock Lesnar from when he was here, what, six years ago? And he wasn't that I, – I, correct me if I'm wrong – he wasn't that huge of a star at that point. No, no, he got way bigger in UFC. And to me, yeah. that, yes, I mean, it's fine if you're Triple H and you're jealous of anybody who has any level of success that might be greater than you. And Rock is one of them. To a degree, Cena is, but he's family. And, uh, but I'm sure there's, you know, some, probably some issues there. And, and with Brock, you know, how dare you walk out on us and, sue, and, and, and not appreciate this business and, and to, you know, use it to propel yourself to something else. And then how dare you be successful at something else. You know, Rock and Brock, both in the same boat. But to me, the obvious framework, if your goal is to make money and not settle ego-based, insecurity-based scores, is to, say to, to paint a different picture of Brock's story, which is Brock, you came to WWE and became the youngest world champion of all time, and then you conquered, and you decided to go on and conquer another sport, and you did, and you won the title in record time, beat a Hall of Fame legend like Randy Couture, uh, destroyed in your hometown a veteran, you know, Heath Herring, and then, you, uh, um, and then you went out and won your grudge match and got revenge for a guy you lost against. Tell the story and say, and then the only reason you lost is because of an internal injury that would have killed anybody else. But you went back and you still fought, and you had this incredible comeback to retain your title when you made your comeback match, but you just weren't your physical self. So then you took time off, and instead of going back to UFC, and this is where it's the money shot, when you got healthy after losing because of your injuries, now that you're healthy, you chose that the, best, the only thing you had left to prove is you could still cut it here. You could, you, that you wanted to beat John Cena because he was somebody you had never conquered. And now you have to face me. You're like, I mean, whatever. You know, like, why not build him up? Yeah, Frame the story in a way that doesn't accentuate what people might be thinking about him, but instead gets them to think differently about that. Because everyone's thinking he couldn't hack it in UFC, so now he's back in the fake sport. Reframe it in a kayfabe-friendly way that says when you got healthy, you would rather come here than there because this is a bigger deal than UFC. And Triple H just pissed all over that because of his insecurities. Well, I'll tell you why. I, 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 will, I will not deny what you just said in that last line there, but I will tell you that, and again, working with Triple H, I don't feel he's, he's as vindictive as like he's, he's portrayed. Maybe, as he again, portrays himself. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, but here's no, I know what you mean. Is, yeah. To answer your question, I don't think that he went at it with going, I'm going to tear this guy down. I'll be yeah. honest with you. He didn't say that. What you with the promo you just cut would have been amazing. The problem, nobody knows that history. Triple H doesn't know it. Vince <laughs> doesn't know it. The writing team doesn't know it. Yeah. So they go, oh, Brock Lesnar. I remember Vince would only watch. He he wouldn't watch UFC, but if Brock fought, he'd watch it. Yeah. And um, so, but the writing team, I remember, like you know, me and one other guy, and he would come over to my house and we would watch it, and nobody else watched UFC there. And it's like, well, what do you, you expect someone to, you want to, like, jump into this background there, but no one knows anything about it. Okay, well, what happened? Well, you know, 
He fought Randy Couture. He beat him. He bought, He fought Frank Mir. He beat him. He won the title. Oh, cool. Then he fought this this guy, and this guy was supposed to be, you know, the next in line for the title, and he just kind of had to go through Brock. He loses. He leaves. And it's like, okay. I mean, that's the story, sure, but that's not the actual story, and, and yeah. that's just all that they know. A casual fan would see that, and that's what Triple H was, and no one was there to go, guys, guys, guys. I get that that's kind of what you are going for, but that's not what Brock Lesnar did. I mean, this guy did more for UFC and proved more than, than maybe anybody else who's ever gone in there. I mean, this guy trained for a year or two and became the heavyweight champion of the world against the best guys in the world. I mean, he's beating legends. He's beating the top guys. I just... I, then you, then the only thing they want to emphasize is, you know, this guy's a former UFC heavyweight champion. And then the next thing you hear about his career in UFC is you walked away because you couldn't cut it. Yep. And and it's like, huh, all right, well, that money that you spent on him because of the the what he made, the name he made for himself in UFC, you just blew all of it. Yep. All of it. He loses to Cena, and then you emasculate him in a promo <laughs> by by framing things in the worst possible way. And it's like, I guess Vince has money to burn, but, you know, was it really a, a $20 million grudge that he needed to, you know, cost himself $20 million in potential revenue by just blowing it at every turn and also confirming every worst fear Brock Lesnar had about the type of person and company he was dealing with? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And it's not like Paul Heyman's not in Brock's ear and giving him the, the, the interpretation, you know, because Paul's very smart and wise and can see through things. And, you know, and he's... Brock has grown to trust Paul Heyman's interpretation of things, hopefully with, you know, uh, uh, his own independent thoughts and skeptical mind. But for the most part, you know, Paul can, you know, sell you the Kool-Aid. And, and in this case, I think he's got a lot of truth that would make Brock go, ah, F all these, you know, F all the assholes in WWE for, you know, they're everything I feared. So, But you know what I also think, though, and I, I, I could be totally, totally off. I, I think Brock Lesnar is collecting a paycheck. I, I, yep, don't, yep. I don't see it in Brock where he went – you know what, I'm only going to come back if I can do this and do that. It's like, how much are you paying me? Yeah, or I don't want to come back because I want to be best friends with my father figure, Vince McMahon. Like, you know, Bret Hart felt so betrayed, and Mick Foley wants to know, why did Vince not, you know, bring me in the inner circle? Like, I don't think Brock loses sleep over his lost relationship with Vince McMahon, nor did I think he came back because he wanted to have fun. I, I think you're 100% right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Again, you, you know, there's room for doubt, but for the most part, Brock came back because it was a paycheck. And he was something he was a natural at and really good. And he can make some money. And you know what? His career in UFC wasn't long enough that he had all the money he wants. Now, he's got more yeah. money than most people would ever need. But when you get a taste of that, you think, ah, okay, I got $12 million in the bank, you know, whatever Brock has. I could use yeah. another 12 that, yeah. would, that would be nice. And I think yeah. he was at that point where it was like, maybe WWE can get me five of that 12. Right, and I, and I think he also, I think his ego also wanted him to come back, almost like coming back to your hometown a hero. Yeah. I think that he looked at WWE as his hometown. And a lot of those guys, I mean, when Brock had a fight coming up, I remember sitting in the locker room with guys sometimes, and like there'd be Orton or whatever, and these guys would talk about Brock. You know, these guys came up with Brock. And then I think he felt like, oh, I get to go back there, and everyone's going to look at me like, oh, man, Brock Lesnar, you know? And I think he liked that, and I think that, Again, hey, are you willing to put over Cena? I don't know. How many zeros are you putting on that check? I really yep. probably feel like that was the negotiation. Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcasts? 
Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the ProRest Paradise at Peter Torch VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the US, Japan, Europe, or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the Paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series, celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger, and our I Was There When shows, where our guests will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the Pro Rest Paradise. Detailed PWF Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices. Or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise! Well, I think we thought Brock Siegel wasn't on the line because he jobbed right away. I think Brock is like, everybody knows this is scripted. I don't care. You know, it's the same thing as being a villain in a Batman movie. Yeah, in the end, you're not going to stand victorious if the crowd cheers. But you get to be the villain in a Batman movie, and yes, you're going to lose. And, yes. you know, Lesnar's like, yeah, whatever, pin me and pay me. It's a, it's a, it's a, I think it's a little different, too, with these guys that, you know, like with Bret Hart, my favorite wrestler of all time, so I don't mean to put him down, but he – he kind of felt, you know, when you watch these documentaries and the interviews that he did, and it was like, you know, no, I shouldn't job in Montreal. No, I felt betrayed. <laughs> it's like, you're playing a character. Come on, Brett. Like, I get it. Like, this is your life, and this is important to you. Totally understand that. But I think when you were able to step away like Brock and go, oh, my, I just beat somebody's ass for real. And I think that people know when I come back here that, they, that me losing to freaking Rey Mysterio is not going to affect what people think about me. You know, and I think it's just kind of like when you, don't, when you don't know that there's an outside world, like with Vince, he doesn't know that there's an outside world to the WWE. So he lives in this bubble, and that bubble is all that he knows. So yeah. as much as he wants to say, I can relate to everybody, he really can't. Yeah. You know, he doesn't know what me and you are talking about at the bar about, hey, you know, uh, whatever conversation we're having about with the world or what's cool or what's in or what, what annoys us. He doesn't know those things. Yeah. He, he doesn't. So he can't relate. And I think these, these wrestlers are kind of like, they really believe, you know, again, I'm using him as an example, and I'm not saying it's him because I don't even think it's, it, it would be applied to him. But John Cena doesn't realize that, like, John Cena, the character, isn't uh, – television character you know and that's yeah. where they lose it and hey if i became if i became a wrestler yeah my dream might be to be the wwe champion and i want to achieve that but it's like you know it's like going on i don't think actors and some do but you know it's like hey uh we're you're on uh 24 and uh you're gonna um you're actually gonna lose out on the on the job to jack bauer and then, you know, maybe in, like, uh, next season, we'll maybe put you in a different role. Oh, my God, how dare you put Jack Bauer in that position? It's like, it's, it's a TV show. Yeah. You're, you're going to go home. You're going you're gonna to have your own life. You know, that's not – I just – I never understood that. I never – and I remember I used to have to have conversations with guys and girls backstage about stuff like, oh, you're really going to have him say that about me? And it's like, he's not saying it about you. <laughs> like, yep. I know, I know. It's it's such, and it's not even a carryover from the old days. You know, it's not. It's just wrestling is so unique 
that it easily confuses people, even who are in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I remember I was watching something, and it was um, maybe it was just like a YouTube interview or something with someone, and, and it was like back in the day when you didn't have these guaranteed contracts, and it's like, hey, we want you to go out there and job or whatever. And it's like, man, that's really going to mess up what I'm going to be able to do when I leave here today because I'm going to be remembered as the guy who, who jobbed to this new guy coming yep. in who's never had a match. I can understand that. You want to hold your value when you go to Vince and go, hey, Vince, you want to bring me into WWF? And it's like, ooh, I don't know. You haven't won a match in a year. Yeah. I don't know what, what value you have to get. Okay, I understand that. But today is so different. That's a thing, yeah. Yeah. Well, that, it's just speaking of that, Miz gets jobbed out. Drew McIntyre pushed way down the roster, essentially jobbed out. Are, do those two in particular surprise you? Do you have any insight into what might have led from Miz main eventing against Cena? You weren't in the company for that match, but to go from that to where he ended up, and I mean, the last time I saw him after a show in Minneapolis, he was the only wrestler at the bar chit-chatting it up with, uh, with, with John Laurinaitis and uh, Kevin Dunn, and Jerry Lawler was there, of course, too. Um, and, you know, he was, he, was like, he was like the teacher's pet type situation in a way. You know, he was just hanging out, but no, none of the other wrestlers were there, and it wasn't like he wasn't in with management or they were saying go away. Yet then that week and the next week and the week after, he's going out there getting a little mic work and getting destroyed. Is that, is, how, sh- how should people on the outside interpret the way that both Miz and Drew McIntyre were treated? How do you think for being behind the scenes that we should interpret what's happened to their careers? Yeah, you know, when, when you're there – it's sometimes as something so small as, um, you know, someone sort of gets a big head and they need to bring it down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you're going to pay for that on television. And uh, it, it could be that. It could be something where he pisses off someone in management. You know, um, my guess is that uh, I don't want to say any names from my history there. My guess is that somebody who has the authority to make or break is not a fan of his. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, again, the good thing about these people is that if someone fights hard enough to give someone a shot, which was basically using his winning money in the bank, if you fight hard enough, someone's going to go, you know what? This kid obviously is, like, going to die on the hill for Miz winning money in the bank. All right, if you really, 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 really think it, I will give you that opportunity. Like, I used to tell superstars, I'd go, look, John, I want to do this, I want to do that. i go, are you willing to put your, your name on the line for this? Yes. Then walk into Vince's office and pitch it because he respects that, and he will yep. give you an opportunity. That is one thing you will always get if you want it, an opportunity. Now, what you do with it is up to you, but, you know, you have to, you have to pursue that opportunity and, and prove to him that you want it. And, and I think that he saw that in Miz, and someone at some point, that he was given his opportunity, he ran with it, he did great, and I think someone at, at some point decided to go, I'm not buying it. Yeah. And that person is trusted enough that Vince goes, all right. But, I, you know, the thing is, is like, I hate when they do that. I hate when they do that, but I don't know if it necessarily hurts Miz as much as it would hurt 100% of the people on the roster because I just think that Miz's character has always been that guy who overachieved. Yep. In his head, he thought he was that good. Yep. But in reality, he's not. 
Yeah. And I think that it will work for Miz because if Miz came back, he would find a way to be successful again, and it would be him going, I knew it, I'm the best. You can support us on Patreon and get these shows with ads and plugs removed, the Wade Keller Processing Podcast, Wade Keller Processing Post Shows, and the PW Torch Daily Cast throughout the week with ads and plugs removed, plus a few bonus VIP shows throughout the month for just $4.99 a month. Check it out, patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That's patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. And you can also upgrade to other tiers and receive even more benefits through Patreon. This plays into what we said 10, 15 minutes ago, John, which is Miz is going away to do the Marine movie now, and that may or may not be, you know, that's irrelevant. The only thing that's relevant for this discussion is he's off TV now. And so, you know, because being in the Marine didn't do anything for Ted DiBiase, and, you know, being in a WWE (laughs) film doesn't do anything for anybody, um, really. But Miz is gone. He's not jobbing anymore, and already... I can feel it. I mean, it's my job to watch wrestling, but, you know, I, watch, I try to watch it through the lens of a fan, obviously. I, I'm already thinking, you know, man, some stuff has happened since Miz has been gone. He's the next main eventer. I wonder how he'd react to this. Now, it's not quite to where if he showed up it would mean anything, but I can see the beginning of that, you know, that, it's that, that tree is budding, where if he's gone for another two, three months, all of a sudden some of that, you know, some of the stink is gone. And now he's the guy who main evented WrestleMania, not the guy who jobbed six out of the last seven weeks on Ron SmackDown. So, you know, that, that, that rotating talent out, you know, for either three months once a year or six weeks twice a year, um, I, I just think there's so much. It just freshens up the character so much. Right, I agree well, with you. Before we go too long, because we can talk forever, I promised impact thoughts, and I want to get your quick thoughts. The show's been better lately than it's been in a long time. I don't know that last night's was one of the stronger ones of the recent ones, but I know you watched some of it because you uh, emailed me and said, I'm changing the channel now during one of the matches. Um, but what was your impression? How often do you watch it? And, and you know, was it, did you see anything that made you as a wrestling fan who looks for good wrestling to entertain you and won't watch if it's bad? What kind of impression did you have walking away from the show last night? I had a good impression, I had a bad impression, but uh, to, to, let's go back. I, I never watch Impact. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, when we were emailing back and forth about coming on the show, and you had said, hey, check it out. So I turned it on, and I, and I think it was uh, Bully Ray versus Samoa Joe. Yeah. I mean, my first, my first thing that I noticed, number one, is Samoa Joe looks like an idiot in those shorts. Um, yeah. Number two... I can't, I can't buy Bully Ray. I can't do it. I mean, and I know you disagree with me. Those, that outfit, that ring attire, it's borderline like laughable. And and I know you disagree with that, but well, I, I'm, I don't disagree with. I don't, I, I don't know what a better option is. So I'm kind of curious because I didn't really, you know, push or ask you what what is better for somebody with his body type that you would instantly suggest to him if, if you had his trust and he cared about your opinion. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, if, if he doesn't want your opinion, he's not the type of guy you'd walk up to and say, you look ridiculous, let me tell you. But if he, you know, if he was one of the people you could just say anything to, what would you walk up to tell But see, that's the difference between maybe me and, and other people that, like, I would, I would, if I was part of creative at Impact, I'm not yeah. going to walk up to him and be like, you look like an idiot. So I walk <laughs> up to him and be like, let me just ask you a question. Why did you choose this outfit? Yeah. Oh, well, I look like a bully, don't I? No. Yeah. I mean, you really look like an idiot. And I mean, uh, these, these, 
I think Hewitt sits up now. Is it part of his character that he says he has the best tabs in wrestling? Yes, yes. It, he it was kind of a okay. kind of an over the top self deprecating, not self deprecating, but he he had lost a lot of weight in the last year. I mean, he turned forty or was about to turn forty and absolutely changed everything. His diet, his exercise routine. He is he is his cardio is great. He's doing the best mic work of his career. Uh, one of the best promo guys in the last year on TV. Period. I think anybody watching both shows would say he's top five of guys delivering believable, on point, no bullshit, none of this insider smart stuff, great heel promos. This is what you show a guy in the business trying to learn how to sell a match and get people to want to see him get beat up. So okay, he's doing now, great work, but now, part of his gimmick was, look at my calves, look at my calves. It's so ridiculous that it's, it's kind of heelish. To, you know, like people brag about their biceps. He says, look at my calves, I've got the best calves in wrestling. So anyway, I that's agree. the okay. one breath long capsule with, of his year. With that said, <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. one of the top five talkers in the business. Great. What are you going to, like anyone who you put on top has to have, in my opinion, some sort of crossover appeal because if yeah. you want it to be popular enough, you have to have casual people where I'm going to throw a party and I'm going to watch uh, the, the TNA Impact. I'm going to have some friends over. This guy, Bully Ray, he's one of the top guys. The last reaction you want is someone to laugh at the guy. Now, if you want him to go, I have the best cabs, okay, great. To me, it's like nobody, you say that to me and like I'd go, great, I don't care. But yeah. you yeah. have him go, I got the best body, look at me. I've, I've lost all this weight or whatever it want to be. And he comes out and he wears wrestling trunks. And he thinks he looks great. I right. mean, to me, that's a heel. It's like, yeah. are you kidding me? You, you're fat. And I don't know what he looks like under all that, but it's like it's better than coming out and wearing a 5150 T-shirt and like a New York Yankee beanie and like a dog or a, what is like a – you've got like a dog collar kind of thing going, yeah. right, or something yeah. like that. And then like sneakers and all – it's like – yeah. Dude, you, you really look like a fool. You really yeah. do. And it takes away from from what he is doing right. Yeah. No, no, and, so, and I, I, I absolutely, I mean, I'm, that's why I wanted to ask you about it, because I, I think people who are in that in the TNA bubble don't know how that product comes across to somebody who knows what pro wrestling, especially WWE, looks like, and don't watch. They need to attract people who are, and, and erase your WWE history. Somebody, if you never worked for WWE, there's a chance you would be flipping around, and if a show got your attention, you'd watch. And you're part of their target market. And your first impression as a veteran wrestling fan is valid, especially if now you add the layer, you were behind the scenes, and you, you, you're aware of the type of what, what works and doesn't work as far as outfits and how wrestlers can best present themselves and the type of process that people go through. So, but anyway, yeah, so, I mean, not just all Bully Ray, but go ahead and talk about anything else on the show, too. Well, just to say, too, like on the Samoa Joe point, I yeah. wouldn't even be as opposed to the, what he was wearing if – my thing is, if, you, if you're going to wear something that's a little bit different or out there, I mean, it should be part of your character as well. Right. You know, yep. and he's just, again, I didn't see anything before that. I saw literally the ending of that match where Abyss playing some other character came out and, and, and did whatever. But um, <laughs> it, How did you know? How did you know that was Abyss? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, that's just my years in the wrestling business. Um, no, but, you know, and it's like, well, what, why does he wear those? I mean, those are like gladiator kind of like shorts. Well, why do you wear them? Well, I don't know. I just thought they looked cool. Okay, yeah. well, incorporate that into your, into your character then. I mean, otherwise, just wear freaking brown shorts like you used to wear. 
Yeah. Um, the other part of the show I thought, um, which I emailed you about, was the, the X Division qualifying match yeah. or something. With and Jeremy something against Rodney something or whatever. Yeah. To my point, exactly. Who? And you have zero investment in either of those guys. You've never seen them before. Both of them come out looking like Joe Blow off the street. I thought Ryback had jumped and was about to go to the ring. You know, because Ryback's been squashing two jobbers every week. I thought they were just setting up Ryback to come out. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. And you're just like, who, who are these? Again, I don't want to put down anybody. I'm just talking from a fan standpoint that's yep. not involved. Who are these bums that, like, you're asking me to invest 10 minutes in watching? I, could, I don't know who these guys are. And they look like idiots. Yep. And uh, that was my impression with that. Then I like the idea of gut check. But you know what? I mean, is it going to kill either one of these wrestling companies to go, we are not UFC? People don't need to uh, – I can be called Wayne Teller. Okay, I don't need you to have a character. I'm going to watch you kick somebody's ass. You, you have like, hey, here comes Wade Keller for gut check, and it's just like a normal guy, or in that case, a normal girl, who looks like she was just like, she's got these neon, like it just, uh, just looks so minor league. I mean, gut check should be more about you want to be a wrestler, here's what it takes to be a wrestler. So we're going to watch you wrestle. Then we'll give our criteria as to like, did you like it? Yeah, you know, you made it till next week. Like maybe each gut check is three weeks long. You know what? You made it next week with that. Next week you're gonna come out. I don't care if you dress up as a freaking rat. You're gonna come out. And you're gonna cut a promo as a rat. We want to see what you can do because again, you've peeled back so many layers of the wrestling business that like, just show them what 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 you do. You know, I mean, we we did this in FCW. Um, be a freaking uh, be a, be an entertaining tree. Go. Yeah. Well, you better figure out how to be an entertaining tree, and I don't know how you're going to do it. I wouldn't even know how to do it. But we tell them to do it, and you've got to figure it out. But it's like, you know, hey, come out and tell me how bad. Like the, I saw the Joey Ryan one, and it was he didn't get it. And I was like, dude, this guy sounds better on the mic than anyone I've seen on your show since I last watched it uh, the last six months. Yeah. And, but he didn't cut a promo saying, please give me a, a, I will work my ass off for this contract promo. He cut a wrestling promo, which is what your show is about, and you didn't give him a contract for it. I just, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense, but I like the concept of it. Yeah. Go ahead. We're about to go to a commercial break. Why listen to commercial breaks when you can go VIP and experience our shows with the ads and plugs removed? PWTorch.com slash GoVIP. That's PWTorch.com slash GoVIP for full details or... Go to Patreon, patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. Rates start as low as $4.99 to remove the ads and plugs through Patreon. Full VIP membership starts at $9.99. Treat yourself to a streamlined, ad and plug-free listening experience with a VIP or Patreon membership. Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast, Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other Pro Wrestling Media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com. Well, and what they were doing with that is, I mean, they they were setting up a long-term storyline. They were rejecting him because he, he felt... 
he was he felt he was entitled as if that should matter like like i'm sorry if if lebron james shows up on the cavaliers as a rookie and feels entitled to be a starter if he's good he gets to be a starter you know like you know i mean you have your other ways of dealing with him but joe but they wanted to tell a story and i mean joey ryan there you know it's an ongoing story it's probably going to lead us i don't know something between taz and joey ryan at bound for glory but but in general i i like I'm, yeah i mean what they they this is just a let me, let me just interrupt you real quick. Yeah, of course. Go ahead. That's like Le- Le- LeBron James coming out of high school, getting drafted number one, going to the Cavs, showing up and going, I'm a starter, right? Well, I don't know. Let's If you can start. Yeah. And then at the end of it, him going, wow, you did good. I mean, you're not the best passer, um, but no, you're not going to start because you, you came to me and said you should be a starter. Right. If, if, if that story was told right, I mean, I could understand if it was almost like, Dude, make us, it's like Al Snow says no, Taz says yes. Um, okay, before we even go to Bruce Pitt- Pritchard, tell us why we should hire you. And Joey Ryan going, are you serious? <laughs> are you serious? Yeah. I got to tell you, this guy, Bruce Pritchard, whatever he does, I mean, it's almost like to the point where he doesn't feel he needs to prove himself. Instead, he's fighting for the contract, and then they don't, they, it looks, makes TNA look dumb because they don't give it to him. When he cut in a, a great promo, and you have this girl going, I promise you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best. I promise. Great. You got it. We can work with that. You got yeah. it. You know, it just it, it takes and, and you didn't even see last week, but she got destroyed in 90 seconds by Tara. Like, got almost, I think, don't even think she got an offensive move in. It, 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 I was just outraged that they gave her a contract. Why even have a gut check match if that is a qualification? Getting your ass kicked in 90 seconds. Storyline-wise, just kayfabe-wise, there's nothing she did other than say, I really want it. But there's a lot of people who really want to be basketball players, but they don't get a spot on a 14-man roster because they want it and are going to try hard and because they're humble. You get it because you can play. And she didn't show she yeah. could play. I, I just I, yeah. I don't get how Al Snow, Taz, and Bruce Pritchard, with all their experience, sit there and look at that script and go, "Yeah, this this is how it would be if wrestling were real." <laughs> you know, it's like, "Hey, I'm gonna go try out for the uh, the uh, New York Yankees." So, all right, said we're gonna we're gonna have uh, Andy Pettit throw you uh, <laughs> one of his pitches, and I swing and miss, and all of them. He goes, "Man, you know what? We can really work with that." <laughs> I know. <laughs> because, yeah, I, I, that's that's how I felt. It was it was that crazy. That's why it it scares me when they try to do quote reality TV within a wrestling show. Anyone. Uh, it's just, it's just yeah. you know, I, 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 I used this analogy earlier, but don't get in the health club business if you think exercise is stupid. And right. you sell membership, and when you walk in, it's a bunch of, free, it's a bunch of bags of Fritos and beanbag chairs laying around. <laughs> like, that, you, you don't, don't be in the health club business. Be in the, like, you know, snack bar business or something. Don't be in pro wrestling if your goal is instead to be doing Shark Hunt or Pawn Stars or, you know, whatever. Like, just yeah. stay away. Go do something else. If you want to do a reality TV show, go do that. But otherwise, promote a wrestling show. And a wrestling show involves criteria that should include winning matches causes you to move up the roster or showing promise or competitiveness in a match. You don't have to win, but you have to look like you belong. And she didn't look like she belonged. So why give her a contract? It made no sense. Yeah, I mean, again, you have to also be able to separate things. If you're going to go make a movie and you bring in people from the reality world, you know, you don't uh, – what am I trying to say here? Right, let's put it back to wrestling. Sorry, because I got lost in my yeah. thought. Um, you want to be you, – you're a wrestling business, but you want to be reality. Okay, but then you need to be reality. You don't bring wrestling knowledge into the reality world. 
You get someone who has experience in the reality world, and you go, how do we take our product, how do we make it into a, a reality-based sort of segment or, or show? But instead, they're trying to take wrestling logic and put it into a reality show. It will never work. It will never work with like that, like you said, with the gym. You have no idea how to build muscle and you open up a 24-hour fitness. How the heck are you going to tell these people to do it? Well, and, and it's even worse when you think it's when you think exercise and weightlifting stupid. You know, I just think about you know Vince Russo's like ah you know people don't want want don't people don't tune into a wrestling show to watch wrestling. I'm like, okay, there's a lot of people who have made a lot of money selling wrestling matches. It's one you know it's one thing to say we need to augment it with other things. It can't just be two guys in black trunks fighting each other like last night on Impact on that match. Of course, there's all those other things, but you have to like in the end know that you're selling wrestling matches to people who like wrestling matches. Yeah. I mean, in the end, that's what you're selling. Otherwise, get out of the business. Make it something different. Yep. I don't know. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. John, thanks. No problem. Good to have you on thanks again. for having me. We'll do it again sooner than later. Sounds great. Thanks so much. Thanks to all the uh, VIP members, Stu, for joining us. Until next time, on behalf of uh, John Pirini, Wade Keller. Now you can subscribe to our VIP podcast lineup within the Apple Podcast app using your Apple account. That's new as of March 2022. Just search PW Torch in your Apple Podcast app and you'll see the PW Torch Daily Cast logo show up. That's our free show that's been around forever. And also the PW Torch VIP Podcast logo. There is a free show every week. So subscribe even if you don't plan to go VIP and get a sample of our VIP tier programming. But if you click subscribe, then you'll become a VIP member instantly with a three-day free trial, after which your Apple account will be charged. So you don't need to take out your credit card, debit card, or go anywhere else. If you listen to our free shows on Apple Podcasts, you are five seconds away from being a VIP member with a three-day free trial. So we invite you to check it out. That includes dozens of VIP shows throughout the week, including VIP versions of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post shows and podcasts and daily casts. All those episodes are presented to VIP members with ads and plugs removed, along with VIP exclusives like our post-pay-per-view roundtables, the Wade Keller Hotline, The Fix with Todd and Wade, everything with Rich and Wade, and many other VIP exclusive shows. Just search PW Torch within the Apple Podcasts app. Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com. So far in 2022, I am down about 10 pounds, and one of the things that's helped me stay on course, eating the proper portions, high-quality ingredients, and healthy meals, but conveniently within my busy schedule, has been Factor. We've been talking about Factor here for a few months, and I am a believer. Um, their, their meals are delicious. Every week, I look forward to picking out the, the meals that I'm going to have delivered. I, I've been sharing some of them with my mom. Um, who has a little bit different uh, preferences than I do, and there's a wide enough selection to satisfy my family and her. 
Factor makes it easy for me and my family to eat clean 24-7 with fresh, never frozen, prepared meals that are so delicious you wouldn't believe they're actually good for you. Factor saves me time by delivering chef-crafted meals to my doorstep, eliminating the hassle of grocery shopping and meal prep, not to mention cleanup. There's no dishes to wash. This works perfectly. There's been a few times before Raw or SmackDown where I've been working all afternoon and I've got a real small window for dinner, and I'm so happy those Factor meals are in the fridge because I know in three minutes I'm sitting down and eating a restaurant delivery quality meal that feels like it was chef-crafted and chef-prepared. But you heat them up in two minutes, and you're sitting down and enjoying your meal within three minutes. It's faster than ordering in. Factor tackles the tough stuff so I don't have to. Their registered dietitians and expert chefs work hand-in-hand to create meals with nutritious ingredients. I'm big on eating whole food ingredients. I don't like processed food. I try to really limit uh, processed white flour and empty calories. And there's just not empty calories in these Factor meals, but they're full of flavor. A mix of vegetables, whole grains... And a ton of protein and good carbs. I find myself not wanting to add salt or sauce or anything to these meals. I add a little pepper uh, to some of them, but others are are just the right amount of spice. And with more than 29 meal options each week, you're never going to be bored. There's a rotation of meals. I have what I think are my favorites with Factor. And then the next week, there'll be a new meal. And I'll try that. And it gets added to my list of meals that I think Factor's done a great job on. They offer vegan and veggie meals, keto meals, low-calorie options, cold-pressed juices, smoothies, energy bites, plant-based bars, extra protein options, veggie sides, and more. And it's been keeping me fueled and focused all day long. I've been doing more exercising since the beginning of the year, and Factor gives me the energy to keep going. So head to go.factor75.com slash wade120 and use code wade120 to get $120 off, that's code WADE120. That's WADE120 at go.factor75.com slash WADE120. Again, that's go.factor75.com slash WADE120 for $120 off. One benefit of VIP membership is access to our back issue library, contemporaneous, in-depth, insider reporting, on pro wrestling in real time over the past 30 plus years. And throughout the year 2022, we're going to begin our march through the year 2002 with back issues posted each week in PDF and all text formats. You can read it in a PDF format with our original magazine slash newsletter style layout on your screen and flip through the pages, or you can read a straightforward all-text format on your phone or tablet or laptop. The back issues early in 2002 covered the arrival of Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Hulk Hogan to WWE and all the controversy that came with them. Plus my cover story that broke the news on the planned launch by Jerry and Jeff Jarrett of a promotion called TNA. Also, the early 2002 features are 2001 year in review features, including ranking pro wrestling's most influential power brokers and our Torch year-end awards, the year in quotes, and the top 50 stories ranked in order from the year 2001. So go VIP and dive into our back issues. We have most of our back issues available as soon as you sign up with new back issues week by week from the year 2002, one at a time throughout the year 2022. pwtorch.com slash go VIP. pwtorch.com slash go VIP. That's pwtorch.com slash go VIP for full information and our sign-up form. It's more than podcasts. It's an unmatched library of wrestling history spanning more than three decades as soon as you sign up with more issues added throughout the year.
In 2012, NXT transitioned into the developmental system and ultimately the brand you see today. On the Torch VIP podcast, NXT Eight Years Back, we'll be taking a weekly look at this page in NXT's early history. Join Kelly Wells and me, Tom Stout, from PWT Talks NXT every Saturday as we go eight years back to the day to track NXT's rising talents and why they did or didn't work out exclusively for PW Torch VIP members. Hey guys, it's Mike McMahon from the All Elite After Show. Every week, Andrew Socek and I break down AEW on our free PW Torch podcast. We've been doing this show since 2016. That's right. We're on our fifth year. When we started the show back then, we were talking just Impact Wrestling, and we still talk about them from time to time as well. And over the years, we've branched out to also discuss MLW, and of course, the main event of our program, which is always the latest going on in AEW. Again, the show is called the All Elite After Show with me, Mike McMahon, and my partner, Andrew Socek. You can check us out as part of the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup. You can subscribe to our show and all of the Daily Cast shows just by searching PW Torch on any podcast app. And of course, you can listen ad-free with a PW Torch VIP membership. Wrestling fans, are you that person that works in a pro wrestling reference to every aspect of your life? Well, we're those kind of people too, but we do so with mixed martial arts. I'm Robert Vallejos, host of MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans, every Monday on PW Torch's Daily Cast lineup. Not only do we cover every UFC and Bellator event, we provide context that only a wrestling fan would really understand. I mean, we're the type of people that if you ask us about how much of a mess the middleweight title situation is, we're likely to reference WCW in the early 90s. Think of us as a podcast for casual MMA fans done by hardcore wrestling nerds. And you can find us by searching PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or any popular podcast app. And we're always available on demand at PWTorchDailyCast.com where you can check out the entire lineup of the PW Torch Daily Cast. I'm Rich Fan, host of The Deep Dive with Rich Fan, a weekly part of the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup of shows. Search PW Torch and Apple Podcasts or your podcast apps to subscribe. Every Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern, I dive in with a guest for an hour on anything in the world of wrestling or wrestling related. Want to hear about the influence of historical figures like Big Cat or Ernie Ladd? We gotcha. Want to hear about how crazy the Marine movies got? We are on it. No topic is too big or too small. So if you want to dive in with us, call in live or listen on demand and see the entire PW Torch Daily Cast schedule at pwtorchdailycast.com. Give yourself a reason to look forward to going to the mailbox each week with a PW Torch newsletter paper copy subscription. 
Details at pwtorch.com slash papercopy. It's 12 pages every week packed with my TV reports along with exclusive features such as my cover story on the top story of the week, our pay-per-view roundtable reviews from the Torch staff, exclusive feature-length columns from Greg Parks, Rich Fan, Sean Radikin, Alan Cunahan, and Zach Hadorn, Torch Talk transcripts, the latest news, and more. pwtorch.com slash papercopy. Take a break from screen time and settle in every week with a mega dose of wrestling news and analysis with a Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter, paper copy edition, in the year 2022. You can get a full year of home delivery for just $99. Or try us for an eight-week trial subscription. pwtorch.com slash paper copy. We invite you to email the show with feedback or questions or comments. That email address is wadekellerpodcast at pwtorch.com. That's Wade Keller Podcast at pwtorch.com. Also welcome your feedback on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at pwtorch and follow me at the Wade Keller. That's at pwtorch and at the Wade Keller. A lot of you listen to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows who haven't watched the TV show we're talking about. A good way to catch up on what happened on the TV show is with my VIP-exclusive Wade Keller hotlines that follow Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. In fact, as soon as I wrap up recording the post shows with live callers and my co-hosts and our on-site correspondents, I send that off to the producer, and then I record the Wade Keller hotline, running down Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown start to finish. And it's not only a full rundown, a thorough rundown of what happened on the TV show, but also my analysis of the key segments and matches throughout the show, including opinions that I don't express on the post show. So as a VIP member, you can listen to that hotline first, which runs 20 to 40 minutes, and then jump into the post show with full knowledge of what happened on the TV show. That's just one benefit of being a VIP member. Another benefit is when you listen to the post show, the ads and plugs will be removed. So change up the way that you listen to our coverage of Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown by starting with a VIP Wade Keller hotline and then flowing into the Wade Keller post shows throughout the week. Go VIP pwtorch.com slash go vip pwtorch.com slash go vip rates start at nine dollars and 99 cents a month or get a full year for just 99 dollars. you can also get the weight color hotline through our patreon tier that's just six dollars and 99 cents a month details on that are at patreon.com slash pwtorch vip